And you can tell we, we we totally did this. Like we totally got Chris on with them. We we're like, hey, we'd like you come on the show. We didn't tell him anything. We we're just like, show up. going on everyone uh your boy tim penny here uh along with custody cliff and our guest chris from uh phoenix gaming here to talk about uh diablo 4 i mean 10th edition <laughs> uh warhammer and uh just pretty much life in general um chris who i'll give a brief introduction and then uh i'll let him talk more about himself uh he actually uh came to uh, the team became a friend of the show through our, our good friend, uh, Jeremy, also known as Curie from the main show. Uh, I guess they met while you guys were uh, were working and, and doing coaching slash uh, deputy TOing at uh, Kansas City. Uh, I guess you guys really hit it off and uh, he sent you our way. And, uh, and we've kind of been talking behind channels and we just like, hey, man, we got a show coming up this week. Why don't you just come on, shoot the show with us? Uh, so, Chris, tell us about yourself. Tell us about, uh, about your channel, about Casey, about whatever, man. Yeah, uh, honestly, the interaction with Jeremy was awesome. Like I said, we got to KC, and it was very understaffed, which is usually the interaction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we had a total of 300 players. There were 100 singles, if I remember right, and then 200 on the team, and we had less than six judges on the floor for 40K. So it, it was a very hectic and crazy experience. Uh, I do enjoy it, though. It's a lot of fun make a lot of friends you know jeremy uh i'm a veteran and i work with a veteran nonprofit, and i'm actually organizing an all veterans team to kind of go out oh, and cool. promote that nonprofit. and so i got to meet some veterans there and interact with them and kind of build and grow that community as well my channel is pretty cool i think uh hopefully everybody else does too but it's uh you know i try to take a competitive bent to 40k but break it down in a way so that non-competitive players can kind of apply those fundamentals and just get better at the game. Like, I'm not trying to teach people how to play the meta. I'm just trying to teach people how to play better so that if they go to a tournament, they're not just getting dogged on by, you know, anybody who has whatever's meta. You know, they can maybe feel confident about going to a tournament and at least maybe winning more games than they lose. And that's, that's really the goal of the channel is to just help educate people try to break it down so it's easily digestible for people and just help everybody be better at the game and have more fun. And that's, that's the goal of the channel. And really I got started on the channel because of a, a structure fire. <laughs> so I used to run a local game store and that's actually what got me back into 40 K and a year ago to today, almost today, uh, the whole thing, apartment and everything burned to the ground and uh oh, man i'm <laughs> uh, sorry oh no 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 gosh. don't apologize because in some ways it was the best thing that ever happened to me man like genuinely um it, america I, I don't know if you guys are all in canada based i know jeremy is nah uh, not all of us tim tim's in florida i'm in philly okay so you guys yeah. are aware of how insurance works you know and it's yep. not not the best interaction <laughs> <laughs> and they you know the insurance company found a loophole to legally get out of paying for anything. So I just literally lost like half a million dollars. My whole life was just like gone in an oh. instant. And uh, oh. man, I remember looking at my wife and just being like, I don't even know what to do. 
like, what do I do? And I took a couple weeks off and just decided to get into content creation. And it's been a slow grind, but man, has it been enjoyable. Uh, I've connected with people from across the, the pond, you know, like I've got friends in the UK that are watching my channel and sharing it and just learning and just, you know, it's been a cool experience to just grow a community and be a part of that. And that's to me what 40K is all about. It's just building and growing the community, so. That's awesome for sure. I mean, it's also like fully aligned, I think, with what Stat Check broadly is about. And then like what we're here doing at X and One, just like get people to win more games than they lose, get them better over time, try to find a way to balance this like crazy adult life and adult pressures and you know the ups and downs that come with it. With, yep. You know, try to play this game and participate in it. Yeah. It's been um <clears throat> content creation has been really fun. Um I, like I first and foremost I love playing the game, but um yeah, content creation has definitely been I think pretty fun. I get myself kind of drawn back to it over and over again. Uh people have asked me about it. I said the biggest thing is like if you end up making money doing it, like cool, but um just go don't do it unless you'd be willing to do it for free. Mm. Um because th that's like that's the best way to manage your expectations. Um a lot of the conversations we have here, I mean, they're a little bit more PC, obviously, because once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever. It gets taken, recorded out of context, or someone's just like will interpret it in bad faith or whatever. So you don't want to like avoid all that, obviously. But um, a lot of the conversations I have here are like, and the opinions I express, and everything is not too dissimilar from like me just like talking with uh, like my teammates and stuff like that, you know, uh, at at the bar next to the game store after like we have a couple like games or something like that we're just bullcrap you know bullshit yeah. and, uh, and uh, lots of, i've heard people say that they're like they're like they're like oh why don't you just like have like a podcast or a show or whatever and like one day we finally were just like yeah, why don't we just do that you know because yeah. all, all it is, is just letting people in on the conversations we were having anyways so yeah uh, absolutely. i don't like people like to listen to it but they do so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Lord knows oh, I don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Uh, so let's uh, let's do a little little catching up. Uh, Cliff, I think it's been three weeks since our last show. So maybe maybe almost maybe almost four. It's been a minute. Almost four. Yeah, it's been a minute. What have you been up to? Man, what's been going on? Real life has been crazy. Um, professional life has been very crazy. Uh, personal life has been tough but with a bright spot last weekend where my grandma celebrated her 90th birthday in Ohio on the farm. Oh, that's we awesome. There and like yeah, all my aunts and uncles, but one and every cousin, but one showed up. So it was like 70 people there just about um, just getting after it, which was great. And 40 K wise, um, closed out these chaos nights. It was, most, it was just like six war dogs as part of this slow grow league. That was cool. Um, got this rust, hobby approach down, I think. Also very fun. And now I'm just sitting and watching all these indexes roll out. I'm like, oh, wow, like every faction that I have in play and care about is suddenly quite good. <laughs> I've never before experienced so many, so many playable options. Um, that's been cool. And then, you know, just sort of watching both the, I'm, you know, huge data guy. So seeing sort of the stated design intent of the team and watching how that's played out in real time through rules reveals and through gameplay mechanics and interactions with factions and having a strong aversion 
to what is happening with some factions and their level of output versus what the supposed stated intent was. But more, more to talk about that. We're going to talk about that later. Hell yeah. Um, congratulations on uh, your, your grandmother's birthday. Uh, yeah, my, grandmother, my grandmother actually, uh, she just turned 30, uh, or not 30, 90. Um, <laughs> what? So, I have to explain it. Well, Florida, you know. Um, but uh, she just turned 90 uh, a few weeks ago, too. Um, we called Worcester a happy birthday. Um, nope. We're going to fly. We're, I'm going to take the, the wife and the kid. Uh, up there she's in the greater dc area uh and i think we're going to go up there like this fall uh and go see her go see some of our family do some sightseeing stuff like that that's fine. um as you can tell by the show title uh i have not been playing ninth edition um been playing a couple a little bit of a bastardized 10th edition based on little uh pieces and tip um tidbits of info but you know it's it's kind of like when we were when ninth edition was starting to get drip fed to us. It's not. I don't know how much value was actually there because uh, we played a bastardized version of ninth edition. You know, we filled in the gaps with eighth edition rules and points and everything. And two months later, we were doing something completely different. Anyhow, once we had the full picture, so who knows how much really tells us? Um, some stuff is immediately obvious, though. I'm sure if you've been anywhere remotely online in a 40k kind of environment you've probably seen some gnashing whaling teeth which is probably a, a little bit maybe somewhat justified but i don't know um every time there's an addition change it's it's always a complete dumpster fire so i'm just kind of looking yeah. forward to that um but yeah i've been uh been playing been playing some d4 been just waiting for the drip feed to come out and that's really been it so speaking of let's uh Let's start talking about 10th edition. I know everyone's just tuning in and wants us to give our absolute worst takes. Takes for the take, God. And I'm just going to, like, give the worst absolute takes. And I'm just going to be, like, super excited about it. And I'm just going to stake all my personal identity and clout on it. Okay? So, like, let's do that. <laughs> Those are the uh, no, I'm, I'm actually very excited because uh, I've been narrowing my band a little bit. Uh, to chaos and orcs Ooh. and yeah and uh literally 83 percent of chaos looks playable uh that's five out of six uh, <laughs> petitions um what five of the chaos books look really good one of them looks the opposite of that and then um orcs orcs look really good i don't know if they're going to be able to hang with like kind of the top level because there's a mm -hmm. big gap between like the upper middle and the top but that book actually looks like it has a lot of depth that that index has more depth than the ninth edition codex does so i'm exci i'm excited to explore that um very excited i've been buying a bunch of bunch of work a bunch of chaos stuff uh, my backlog is now huge yeah just out of frame there is uh my second lord of change in a box and uh, an unhealthy amount of nerglings. Love it. Hint, hint. hint. Um, I can say it now because I, I bought them all. Um, so you can't, like, I've already I've already got mine. So, yeah, yeah. I, I would, um, I like nerglings a lot. I'm very excited about them. Even though they're OC2, I think they're going to be useful. Um, 
what about you guys? What do you want? What do you want to talk about first? You guys want to talk about uh, all? I think all the indexes are out now. We just are waiting on point submissions. Yeah, that's yeah. a great thing. Chris, what do you what do you get into? What are your factions so, played? What have you been uh, listening to? I am an orc player first, and I have been since third edition. Um, and this index, I I like it a lot. Everything in it looks moderately playable outside of some of the shooting. The shooting looks kind of disappointing. The shooting was pretty disappointing in ninth, and I just mm -hmm. feel like that's kind of carrying over. There's not a lot of AP on the guns, so the AP reduction that they got kind of stings. But there's a few, there's a few, uh, you know, kind of like diamonds in the rough there. Yeah. Like the shock attack gun has some pretty neat combos. Like you can throw it in a transport, give the transport plus one to hit, and then he can be hitting on four. So there's some some good good stuff in there. Uh, the melee looks pretty solid. Getting sustained hits, like obviously the golfs look. I mean, it's all it is. It's just the golfs bonus. So the melee looks solid. All the beast naga stuff looks good. I wasn't surprised there. Those are the new <laughs> models. Not that I'm about Games Workshop, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and then really my second army is Drukari, and that was kind of a rough index for me to look mm -hmm. at. Like it, it's all over the place in terms of like power level. There's no consistency. Um, witches and witch cult stuff kind of looks really lackluster and and gonna be kind of tough in my opinion. Uh, without having the context of playing it, obviously. Uh, but, but like, all the homunculus stuff still looks solid. It's got the feel-no-pains and all the other stuff that makes it, you know, a little bit more durable. So I, I feel like early on, I think you're going to see a lot of Cabalites because the shooting is still pretty solid. And I think the Venoms just look amazing. The ability to give them sticky objectives with the Cabalite squads and then being able to get out and get back in, stuff like that. I think the Venoms look really solid. But I think outside of Cabalites, maybe you see some racks and you see some Talos. Kronos look a little lackluster to me. Uh, again, not surprised. They got put out. They they got put in the timeout box in ninth edition, and they're probably not coming back for a bit. So uh, I can see a world where you want like maybe like one Kronos because yep. um, just being able to refund those pain tokens those, and everything tokens. like yep. We, you can kind of get like a little bit of like a recursive effect going on if you if you're a little bit hot on like rolling to regen your your uh your resources next thing you know like one pain token could end up giving like four re-rolls to like three or four different units you know if you just can roll a couple four ups a couple times in a row so i see like a wall where you take like one yeah you know maybe just put it behind a wall i think so, i think the talos just like if, if you have to pick one or the other i think the talos just are the automatic pick points depending yeah. Because once they kill a unit, they're just always powered. So you're just re-rolling hits and wounds pretty much yeah. all the time then. And the haywire is just, like, super silly. You know, it's just yeah. a mortal wound gun towards vehicles. Uh, and then, like, things like crisis suits going to vehicles, you're just like, hey, pick them up. I don't care about your invuln. Just pick them up. Yeah. So, I like I like Talos a lot. My understanding was that um, Incubi during playtesting were pretty strong. And at some point, like, they basically said, hey, let's kind of, like, this is not okay and then they like overcorrected and that kind of left that kind of left the range without like a heavy hitting melee unit because usually most most armies that have like either a wide range of units or how or melee armies um will usually have two different types of melee units you'll have like a fast melee unit that's designed to go into screens and light infantry and usually has a lot of volume and then you'll have like kind of like a heavier unit that's used to go into like the good stuff um and incubi were definitely the latter yeah. uh, but without without that being there like it kind of it almost now you have to kind of do that with um with grotesques and talos and i think 
I think grotesque will be like kind of okay of it, but they're more of like they almost feel like more of like a bruiser type role, yeah. you know, versus like straight up offense of what yeah. Incubi were. Talos are Talos are insane. Um, but with being capped at a size of two, yeah, kind of like more of like an all-rounder kind of thing. Whereas like they can't when you only have two dudes, you can't really go into a full health unit, pure melee, and then just um and then expect them to like 100 to zero a unit. So they'll probably need some help some sort of way. But I do think sure. shooting looks the shooting looks great compared to night edition. Yeah. Uh, um, so and, I think that's going to be a way to go. And, and yeah, grotesques are pretty much like a, like a tar pit. Like that's how, how I've always looked at them. Like where can I just stick them and make neither one of us go anywhere? You know, and that's that's always been my goal with them is like, okay, I'm just going to slow you down. But yeah, no, those, those are the two that I play the most. I dabble in sisters. Sisters look like sisters. Like, it doesn't look like a ton has changed there. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've got no complaints there. But that's it, man. Cool. Like, that orc yeah. index, pretty happy. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, and by the way, Cliff uh, usually has internet issues. Um there he is back again. Yeah, 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 I know exactly why he's shaking his head. He has his internet's fine, but it, it just doesn't like StreamYard for some reason. Sure. It's one of those things we'll just never figure out. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get a chance to look too much at sisters. Yes. I've mostly been picking up on the buzz slash salt from other people. Mm. Um my initial vibe that I was getting from it was you just take triple exorcist and MSU to power your exorcist. So I'm like, that kind of that sounds, yeah. sucks. It's not really. That's not really why you want to play. Play. Yeah. Like, I want to play a bunch of angry ladies. Mm -hmm. You know. But well, and the exorcists definitely look good. Like they yeah, got the indirect fire. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Repentia don't look terrible. Um, not, not bad. They lost. Uh, they lost a pip of AP and they lost yep. an attack, mm -hmm. but they now have um, really easy access to reroll hits and wounds. Yep. Um, so that's pretty good. How, how are Paragon War suits? Are they get a glow up at all or not? Not really. They, uh, decent to me. They, yeah, um, I, I'm trying to think because I I don't feel like they changed a ton, but now I'm going off a of memory. Well, they, they got they have a four they have a four involved baseline. Oh, uh, yep. They've got the, the four up involved, and Morvan Vol can get attached to them, and then she gives them a bunch of okay. buffs. But but as yeah. a standalone data sheet, like they're they're I would argue they're slightly better mm -hmm. than they were, but I don't feel like it's a huge improvement. So it was like points dependent. <laughs> yeah, always. always. Yeah. <laughs> For sure, yeah. it's um. Just get a banner. That that. <laughs> yeah, like Grant said, there's still there's still vehicles. Um, Oof. And yeah, that opens you up to just getting like blasted yeah. on a two up by certain things in the mm -hmm. game. So it's a little bit, little bit rough. <clears throat> um, but they seem looking at the data sheet in a vacuum. It, they, I would just, I'm gonna just pull a random number. They seem about ten to fifteen percent, maybe about ten percent better than what they were. Yeah, on a pure stats, on a pure stats wise. Now, how that relates to the rest of the game and the points and everything, who knows? Um, but they seem they look like they they honestly made an honest try and make them look good, but not good to the point where they crowd up everything else in the in the book. Well, like like Zephyrum looked pretty solid uh, mm -hmm. in the context of tenth. Like part of the part of the complaints I've seen is just like, well, they're they're minus two because they're power weapons, and it's like, yeah, but all power weapons are just minus two. Right. So it's not yeah. like only Zephyrum got smacked with that. That's just how the game interacts. Mm -hmm. But like within the context of tent, they look pretty solid, especially because you can now put Celestine in them, and mm -hmm. then Celestine will revive a bodyguard model, so she can just keep bringing back Zephyrum as long yeah, as they're alive. Great. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's gonna be cool. I thought I always thought um Celestine with uh like in just leading a whole bunch of like the jump pack sisters, like always just felt super iconic. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um I remember kind of glancing at the the mortifiers and the Paragon War suits because that was always yeah. kind of like a favorite part of Sisters for me. It was all the weird like Imperial like and Ecclesiarchy hangers on. Um, and like I said, I didn't deep dive too much into it, but what I saw, I liked uh, a lot of attacks. Um, the if they take the same type of weapon, which most people usually build their their uh, their walkers that way, mm-hmm. right. you get twin linked. Yep. Um, so that's obviously pretty good. Uh, rerolling wounds. Um, so. That's cool. I, I definitely, it definitely seems like a mech sisters build might have some legs, you know. Well, like like the Pentagon engines are pretty solid looking too. They don't get the invuln mm-hmm. that the mortifiers do, but their flamers are now assault, so you can advance, shoot, and charge just all the time. Yeah, so I think the flamers are more covered too. Yep, yep. yep. And it just keeps them interacting every phase, yeah. and that's what you want out of those. Like that. What's a, what's a unit yep. size? Is that one to two, one to three? Oh, I would have to look. I think it's one to three, but it might be one to two. So having flashbacks of trying to run. This is like pre, um, pre New Sisters book, but having a buddy that in ninth edition just like ran a wall of mortifiers at me. I was like playing Death Watch at the time, which just wasn't great, and just being like, "I have two turns to figure this out. I've not figured it out yet." And here we go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I actually have the index pulled up right now. And my computer's dying because I just opened up like 80 PDFs. <laughs> uh, mortifier. Let's see. Mortifiers are. Penitents are one to two. Yep. Mortifiers are one to two as well, which yep. is that's like what the box has. So that's fine. Well, and that's the other thing I've noticed with the index is everything is just like, what do you get in a box? Yeah. You can either take one box mm-hmm. or two boxes. That. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, they, they kind of stopped messing around with uh, the whole understrength units or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they just pulled the plug. They're like, hey, man, increments of box size, which they definitely made a um, – that's a pretty good seg- – this might derail the rest of the conversation about tech. But that's, a, <laughs> that's a pretty good segue uh, that we were talking about in the Discord earlier today. Um, they definitely they definitely have made it more um, – less, less obtuse. Mm-hmm. Um, more accessible um more accessible for like for newer players and like new blood to get into the game um there's just that push pull of like well how do we make this game easier to get into for newer players um without invalidating um like the stuff that older players have you know and like not to get into social commentary but like you know there's it's like it's like the um the idea of like student loan forgiveness you know um people so obviously some people are for it because they immediately benefit from it or they are like oh this seems like a good thing other people are just kind of like other people have like a real idea where they're like okay well there's a cost to it and then you have the people who are only against it because they're past the point where it doesn't benefit them because they paid they paid off their student loans they're like well if i had to if i had to suffer everyone past me has to suffer so not to get too deep into that, yeah. but, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, but it, it's, it's, it's certainly a take, you know, and I'm definitely, I'm definitely putting myself out there to be blasted, but you know, it's kind of like, if I have to, if I had to suffer through this hobby being expensive, does the hobby need to be expensive for new people to come after me? You know, like, I feel like it should, when I start playing the game, like 
like you all the models were metal it was incredibly expensive to to play the game the armies were, were smaller and people didn't really jump armies as much um but tournaments weren't really a thing yeah but yeah, like I'm, I'm an opinion, like just cause the, just cause the hobby was inaccessible for me, like, doesn't mean that it should be inaccessible for people that follow me just so I can maintain my status quo. Mm -hmm. But that's just my opinion on it. Yeah. I think, and you know, if you're one of the people that holds that opinion, because like, if it's hard for me, if there's some sort of inherent value to being more difficult for other people, you're being left behind. <laughs> there's so many sources of information about the game how to hobby better, how to better spend your time, how to build your list. I mean, like a great example that like, I don't think really a lot of people are talking about. There's a lot of people out there that have um, 27 Beast of Nurgle, Ooh. real ones. That's there, there are people that, there are people out there that have that. Um, yeah, and you know how many, uh, you know how many Beasts of Nurgle you can field in an army now? Six. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, like oh, it's all the don't like when all those people like went out and bought like nine of each type of competitive like orc buggy. I'm like, bro, you are, you know, there's a concept called overexposure, you know, like when you're, <laughs> when you're like messing with stocks and stuff like that, you know, like that is the peak example of Warhammer metagaming like overexposure. 27 tyranid warriors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know so many razor wing flocks from way back when. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess like to to come back around again, because um, I think it was Grant and McWork that were basically asked about the question, like, how do you feel about addition changes and stuff like that invalidating people's collections? It sucks. Um, it, it's always going to suck. Um, however, there's a difference between when it's done arbitrarily and then there's a difference where it's done with the design intention to make the game more accessible mm -hmm. for like for new people. Mm -hmm. And if it's the second one, then like, hey, the secondhand market for models is always real robust. You know, like it sucks to have your stuff invalidated, but like there are people looking to get into the hobby that don't have different budgets and are looking for quality used models that have been loved and taken care of. Yeah. They, will, they will give models a new home yeah. and they will take care of well, and, and like some of these models that are getting invalidated can just end up like if they're legends, for example, you can run them as other things yeah. in a lot of instances as well. Like my only real gripe about what's in the box is when you've got the really old kits like tank busters, mm. like that is an old fine cast unit. And it's like, now I can take five tank busters. I get three rockets. I get one pistol, one hammer. That's it. So mm. like that, that kind of is just like, all right, that's a little silly. But the one thing I tell people when they're complaining about it is like, keep in mind, this is index. The whole thing could change yeah, when the codexes come out. Like, like the indexes are designed to be as easy as possible for everybody to get into the game mm. while they write rules. So just be patient, yep. see how yeah. it develops. Once that first, once the Marine book and the Tyranid book come out, we're going to have a much better understanding of where the edition is going to be. Yeah. Part of me wants to also be a little bit, charitable to gw um here in the fact that a lot of like right now what a lot of people do like with a lot of um companies are doing with like video games is they do a little bit of alpha testing they do a little bit of beta testing and then they release the game and people play the game and they're having fun but also same time they're like yo this game is buggy as all hell. <laughs> like what the heck you know but um you know 
that company has like a freeze on like using personal days, using vacation days, everything They're like, Hey, we need all hands on deck because like the two weeks before launch and the two weeks after launch, the offices are going to be on fire, yeah. you know? So we need like everyone here and we don't really have access to like the telemetry that, uh, that, that GW is going to be using to monitor, but you know, at stat check, we obviously monitor a lot of stuff like that. And I know that we've had GW eyes on the product that we put out. Um, so part of me thinks, or is at least hopeful, uh, that we are basically, um, crowdsourcing the play testing of 10th, a little addition, mm -hmm. a little bit, um, because I've, I've gotten some insight into the play testing and it's a little, eh. um, <laughs> but one thing that is generally, you can always kind of count on is wisdom of the crowds. Like, yeah, people like go onto Reddit and go onto Facebook and have just terrible takes, but generally like the silent community, uh, when you look at the stats, um, when you look at the Wednesday recaps on Goonhammer, they're very quick to find what the busted most effective thing is. And then like, and then congregate that and then streamline that. Um, and that happens very quickly actually. And you get, you end up with like these lists for like Eldar, for, for uh, Harlequins, you know, for Tyranids. And like the, the first 1800 points all looks the same generically. And the list kind of converge, you know, and at that point, GW, you know, or anyone else would look at it and be like, okay, clearly like this, this, and this right. comes, we need to adjust this. Either this is either this is a little too cheap for what it's doing, or there's an unhealthy interaction, blah, 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 blah. If they can do that and fold it into the codexes that drop, um, I think 10th edition will be will be very good. Mm -hmm. Um if they if they take the you know the rough spots around the indexes and they basically just use this as an extended beta so to speak for 10th edition yeah. and then as we get into our codexes the game becomes very smooth yeah. so that's kind of what i'm hoping for yeah i think the the best way to think about it from the best way to ground your gameplay for the next three months is to understand that, like your gameplay is essentially being used to inform the actual 1.0 version of the game that'll come out after the first sort of balance pass uh, and they just can't do it at the speed that video games can. Like Diablo can do an early release for people that buy it and they get to play for a week. And that week is actually just uh, like the most motivated people playing the game a lot, providing way more information about what bugs there are, what needs to be revised before it goes out to the general public. So like, just, that's not really mechanically possible with the tabletop board game, you know, tabletop board game. So you know, take that for what it is. But also know that like that means that to Tim's point, like the game's going to be buggy as fuck for the next three months and that's just it just is what it is yeah. enjoy the madness <laughs> you know, or no. I mean, just, you just if you want to just be a salty spittoon i guess like it, it's a free world mostly you can do that too um but oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> right we for anyone who was around in seventh edition, right wave. just got just got PTSD. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, David, no, don't sell your army if you're an Admech player. If you're an Admech player with a lovingly lovingly crafted um, army, because that faction looks fantastic, uh, don't sell it. Yeah. Just like you know. But like, I'm also not going to sit here and try to gaslight and be like, your army's great, bro. It's your problem. Like, find something good in it. Like someone else on the internet may have said something. Skill issue. Like, <laughs> like, it it sucks when the thing that you like is made worse. 
Like that's not fun. But also, like just as a general rule, do not sell your painted stuff that you really like. Like your time will come. It's all cyclical. Admech was crazy like a year and a half ago. They got toned down. Um, it'll be all right. Yeah, the uh, but well, I wasn't very. I'm not very warm on the Admex uh, index, but who knows? Maybe the Codex would be fine. Um, I definitely I want to see everything on the table a couple times first. Points are really gonna for for Admech especially. Yeah. Points are gonna drive that army because like if Castellans are still really cheap, they're gonna be pretty solid. If the Breachers are cheap, they're gonna be pretty solid. Mm -hmm. But if everything's overpointed, like that is just gonna be a tough army to do anything with. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of armies, uh, Cliff, I don't think we got a chance to ask you. Tell us about. I mean, you gave us a hint already, but um, <laughs> what are you what are you excited about? Like your first like two or three months of uh, tempted oh So like I am custodies custodies forever, right? And they look great in the index. Like not not hugely. Not You've only got half your army. Yeah, like I'm like, like you see the forge world stuff. It's crazy. Like I'm I'm like done collection-wise and hobbying-wise for so many of the factions. I'm just like, this is like I can just pick stuff up off the shelf and go. Like, this is amazing. Um yeah, like the the index reveals so far are just like, man, this army absolutely slams in close combat exactly the way that it should, feels fluffy, um, remarkably durable. Just like surprising amount of output in uh, range. And like, yeah, I'm just pumped, man. It's going to be so fun. The other, my other, like, in my top three, it's really like Custodes, number one, and then Imperial Knights and Death Watch close behind. And like, Knights look great too. The towering keyword is probably problematic, but probably a mistake. I will roll with that for the next three months. It's going to be great to shoot at whatever the hell you want. <laughs> they're super durable it's gonna be great and um and i think also with the imperial knights specifically they really they were able to like re-incentivize people taking more big boys given that they also benefit from the bondsman notes now which is great and like their output is crazy they're super durable that's exciting um and death watch for a minute was just like egregious and like, <laughs> uh, because you know kicking out 40 to 60 mortal wounds from a single unit in shooting phase was like not good at all so like it's probably probably fine prob probably it's probably okay yeah you have a six up field of pain right it'll be fine, yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. it's a feature not a bug just roll sixes um glad that they fixed that like essentially in real time that that bodes well for their capacity to intervene quickly when it's warranted um but that book, it like still, it just like cooks still. Uh, so I'm really excited about that. Hobbying up some Stern Guard, it's like my side hustle. Uh, aside from these beautiful wraith themed units, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like a, a long time ago, I bought all the um, all those like old Eldar Star collectings with the Wraith Lord, the Farseer, um, the Wraith Guard. And the Warwalker. I bought like four boxes of those. So they're like super cheap on Amazon. Yeah, oh, like that was super good book. Yeah, box killed it. Killed it. Um, that book is yeah. That box is such a great deal. And I was just like, oh, I'm gonna build like a wraith army at some point. That'd be so cool. So I got all these wraith guard, a couple of hemlock wraith fighters, a couple of wraith knights, um, some of the wraith seer conversion bits, like that sort of thing. And I've just been waiting, and like 
now it's time. Now it's time. This will be my new faction hobby project. And I'll just, you know, throw D cannons with devastating wounds across the table at everything else with every model in my army and then be happy. And uh, by my opponent yeah. at the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh I'm very like you said, I I am excited about orcs. I'm excited to explore that index. Um I there's just like a few peripherals I need, like just some random random buggies that I don't have. Um I have three battle wagons, but like one was like an eBay rescue, one's a land raider, and one's a uh, <laughs> one is uh, works. Man, what's that? Yeah, well, one's not even it's a GW model, but it's from another game. Um I'm drawing the I'm drawing a blank. Oh. It's that 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 big carbon container semi truck thing. The Necromunda. Oh yeah, yeah, the wood the yeah, yeah, taller. Yeah. That thing is fixed. Yeah, yeah it, it's that thing. Yeah, I don't actually have like a true 100 percent real battle wagon. At some yeah. point, I want to rectify that You're doing it right. um, because just I looked at the data sheet. It just has everything, and I'm like, oh, I don't. I have something that looks like a battle wagon, but it doesn't have everything. So I kind of just want to have everything. Oh. Um, but um and then i think i need another box two of flash kits and then um and then a couple of the characters but i'm actually yep. pretty solid there they, i they, my local they, store there is a thousand sons boarding patrol that i go in um once a week after work i just walk in there and they say hey tim do you need anything and i said no i'm just looking and i go in there and i just make deep eye contact with that that boarding patrol um <laughs> for about five minutes <laughs> And then I talk myself out of it and I walk out. Um, I'm just going to go until it's not there anymore, you know, yeah. or I'm just going to break down. But I did pick up a used Magnus for $100 and I felt like a champion. Oh, so he doesn't he doesn't have the armor, but I don't care. Like, I just got Magnus in good condition for $100 even. So oh, that's, that's cool. I mean, you got you to model that guy's chest out anyway, right? Like, come on. Of course, of course. Um, sun's out, gun's out. <laughs> um, speaking of guns out, I also am chasing down a lead for a really good deal on a pair of Knight Castellans slash Valiants, um, because I think the Knight Tyrant has some play, yeah. uh, both versions. So yeah. I'm kind of rounding out my collection there. Yeah. And yeah, we're just working on a lot of chaos. Um, my World Eaters is complete. Uh, I have a CSM backlog that I need to do, um, because mm -hmm. I really like Possessed. I really like a Blitz. I still have Abaddon. never got rid of them. And um, demons I've been flushing out, um, <coughs> nerdlings. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I actually, it's it's really nice. I don't, except for the CSM and possibly a thousand suns, there's no army I had to really build like from the ground up. It's just like adding a unit or two there. So I'm really excited to test all that stuff out. So, no idea what I'll be playing for Team USA or if I'm even going to be on the starting team. Like, we still haven't decided that yet, but, um, Monday is start the start of the grind fest. So oh boy. little bit little bit of reading the indexes, a lot of trying to get my last couple of days of Diablo 4 in before we <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have added the team captain on, as a friend on Diablo shit. You blew it. Yeah, I blew it. So <laughs> but I'm I'm excited for that. I'm definitely excited to kind of like break the game a little bit. Uh, Chris, what about you? I know you talked about orcs and uh, and dark elder a little bit, but like anything, like you're really going to try to be doing like events wise or like army wise. Well, so so as far as events go, I'll actually be down at Tampa this October playing the open. Oh, I'll be working cool. it. I'll be playing it. Hell uh, yeah, so might meet you because I'm planning to go to that. I gotta go oh, yeah, man. to that, man. Uh, 
I'm I'm pretty pumped. Uh, I'm going to be as far as like lists and and theory crafting. I was running Evil Sons late in ninth. Uh, I'm like the only idiot that was running that uh, sub faction. And uh, man, like I, I feel like it's going to have some pretty good interactions in tenth based on how the WA now works mm -hmm. and just like everything kind of working. So if I can build like a bike heavy. Yes. Uh, <laughs> All right, Ben. Uh, the 29th, Ben. The 29th is going to be the next RTT in Plymouth, buddy. <laughs> but uh, hell yeah, man. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, my big hobby project is I have a Bane Blade sitting about four feet from me, and it's going to get turned into a kill tank as soon as I get the Imperial Armor. Oh, that's stuff. great. Awesome. So, yeah. But yeah, I, I run a lot of events, so we're, we've got, like, I've just got events coming up that I'm running. As far as playing goes, it's whenever I get time. Like, the big event that I'm doing right now is just the Tampa Open. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, it's just, do I have time? Then I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, yeah tell us, uh, that's a good segue, man. Um, all, all, I think all of us here are parents with significant others. Like, um, how do you find time to deal with stuff? Like, how do you compartmentalize everything, you know? Like, how do you... Um, your time management like what's been just generic stuff that like generally works for you like any tips or anything i know a lot we have a lot of listeners that are always just like ah, how do i do this you know <laughs> uh the, the big thing for me is like you gotta have the conversation like if you're married and you have kids you gotta have that conversation with your wife mm -hmm. like you gotta be like hey look i need a night whether it's for hobbying or playing or whatever and then you can have a night and I'll take the kids. Like, you got to be willing to make that trade-off, I think. I think that's the most important thing. Yep. So, like, my Fridays are always mine. It's usually a bunch of us going out, play 40K, drink a few beers, have a good time. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of times her her Thursday or her Saturday, she'll go do whatever she wants to with her friends. And just being able to have that trade-off so we both get our hobby time, our, our whatever we need time. And that's been the big thing. Fortunately, my kids are a little bit older. Like my, my two kids, my youngest is eight and he'll be nine here pretty soon. So he's, he's not like super old, obviously, but he's at least old enough that I'm not having to change his diapers and wipe his butt and stuff. And so, uh, and he actually likes painting and building. So a lot of times if I'm hobbying, he's just sitting at a table with me hobbying. Oh, that's fine. Uh, so that's actually a pretty cool interaction is just being able to sit down with him. And I think we got him, uh, we're building a diorama right now together. So it's just like a big hill with a commissar and he's shooting a war boss and there's just like a bunch of guardsmen going to be all over it, just like killing each other with the orcs and stuff. And he is just having a blast with that. So, awesome. Uh, question from uh, Ben from the chat. I'm uh, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, he yeah. says, Chris, when's the next RTT you're holding? Yeah, I actually saw that and already answered him. It's the 29th of July at Got Game in Plymouth. Uh, it's going to be an RTT. And then I've got, I'm working with another local store so we can start doing one within the next month. So July, August, and then I'll run one in September also. So I'll have three coming up within the next three months. So awesome. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's uh, having that conversation is obviously like super important. Um, and then it's going to, I, I don't want to bury the lead too much because this all is, this is a question um, from one of our, the guys in our, one of our patrons in the discord. Um, but yeah. And then you also have to kind of like tailor it to your, like your life situation. Um, Cindy and I are both, uh, my wife, uh, we're both shift workers um, with weird days off. Like I'm Thursday, Fridays off, and then Cindy is Wednesday, Thursday. Um, so 
there's times like, you know, like every second or third week, a lot of times where I'm doing this show on Thursday, you know, and then like, if I work six days a week and the city works six days a week or something like that, like we may just, we might just have weeks where we just like miss each other. You know, a lot of times um, I'm moving my schedule forward. She's moving her schedule back, gives us coverage for the kids, stuff like that. And again, we just don't see each other. Um, There's been times where, you know, I've had the opportunity to go out and get games or I've had the opportunity to go to an event. Um, and I'm just kind of like, well, I haven't really seen my kid in a while and I haven't seen like my wife in a while. And you just, you just make that decision, you know, and it's not like I have to, like, hopefully for most people, like Mm -hmm. I want to see them. I like my family, you know? Um, and I would also like to stay married and see. So, um, and then there's also a lot of people who unfortunately like, you know, like maybe like, thankfully I have a pretty good relationship with my dad. Um, but that was because he was present, you know, and I know talking to like several people who were not so lucky, I know like how important that is, especially for a young kid. Um, so a lot of times, like I think in the long term, I'm like, you know what, there's no real events that I really care enough about in the next six months. I'm fine. Just, I'm fine just playing locals and my, my teammates save a little bit of money. And most importantly, like my, like my kid gets to see me be present, you know, I'm not always gone. Because I'd rather go play toy soldiers than be with my kid. On the flip side, you know, sometimes 40K is my escape, you know. So when, like, we talk about, like, you know, like Cliff kind of mentioned it, when work life is getting rough, family life is getting rough, stuff like that, you got to, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's. But you also need that escape. Um, And then my wife uh, understands that because we've had that discussion. Same thing with her. She has stuff that she does to escape. And a lot of times, like, I just take the kid. I'm like, hey, you got to do your thing. Know? But again, like you said, it's part of that discussion. It's also going to depend on, you know, your jobs, your career, yep. you know, home life. And then like also how old your kid is. That's another one I don't think we talk about enough. How old your kid is really makes a big difference on the dynamic of how much you can travel and go do stuff. Yeah. I think Cliff, what do you think? it's just like, I don't know. It's broadly speaking, I don't think there's enough acknowledgement, at least in the U.S., of how difficult it is to have kids and like attempt to really be present in their lives, especially when they're young. And especially if you don't have access to the sort of like free family support childcare that some people have access to, um, it can be tough. Like, for example, my son is calling me now. I don't know what he's calling me for, but I'm gonna go check on it. I'll be back in a sec. Hell yeah. Dude. Yeah, feel free to go check on it. Um, but yeah, it's a big thing. I think what I'm gonna do now, cause we're almost, uh, we're about 45 minutes in. Um, we, man, the our little like uh, discussions, stuff like that, there's like the Venn diagram of the discussions and our questions are almost becoming a circle. So I'm just going to like kind of roll into uh, the questions. Bear with me. I'm ready that. Or I don't know if you have, uh, you've only been on our Discord for a day, Chris, but it's a little bit chaotic there. And everything is, there's more suggestions rather than hard and fast rules. Right. So let's see the. Oh boy! Uh, if we're just, just so you know, we're just start, we're starting the questions because a lot of the conversations kind of go into questions. Hey, right cool. Hey, uh, they should all be pinned. Oh. Yeah, I just, I just suck at reading. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, from from Adrian, I'm sorry. There's like I have like I have like seven. No, I have like eight or nine different windows open. Uh, 
Um, from Adrian AZ, uh, any tips for keeping hobby motivation up on models that are moved to Horus Heresy Legend? Rip the two plastic Leviathans I just picked up. I've noticed mm. that airbrush sessions are fewer and far between with the four-month-old. Uh, mm. I I wish I had advice to give you on that one. Um, I did not I did not see the retirement of the Horus Heresy line to only Horus Heresy. I did not see that coming. Yeah, it was odd. And surprising. I odd is a nice way of putting it. I, <laughs> I think I think that was a very bad Actually, faith move. Pretty fucked up. Yeah. That could have been that could have been really telegraphed. A lot better because uh, a lot of those models were present in 40k for a long time and the window that they were plastic and playable in 40k was entirely too short um i really think that should have been man, that's man that, sh that should have been like at least a year's notice you know mm -hmm. like on that one because people made some really big you know because not everyone could just like absorb that hit like that might have been some people's like hobby budget for six months for the year yeah. you know like the kits the kits are expensive um and now they're just kind of like now what um yeah so unfortunately i don't i don't know what advice to give you uh if you are adrian if you play uh if you play horus heresy or if you have a local group that does play horus heresy um then that i would i would definitely try to find your motivation through that um, because it sounds it sounds like your your mo hobby motivation is very rules driven um, versus hobbyist driven. So I would definitely try to do that. If not, and I know this sounds like a cop out, but like I would honestly recoup the cost yeah. on those. And and even though you won't get your you won't get every penny back on the dollar that you spent on that, um, at least you could put that money towards something that will make you happy and spark joy. Um, because just if you're not a hobbyist and you're just painting models that you're never going to use, like, and you're not, and you find yourself not wanting to do it, like, I think you should just not try to force yourself because that's going to force you to burn out on the hobby on the Lord. There might be one out, Chris. I, it'd be interesting to hear your take on this given your experience as an event runner. But like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, looking at the Leviathan, looking at the Redemptor, there is a way to hobby. You could basically stretch yep. that they could copy <laughs> as the other. Um, now I think same vibe for the contemptors, right? Like depending on how you arrange the base and position the model, you might be able to slide a proxy in and use it as. Well, and, and really the main thing is just having, again, that conversation with the yeah. TO. Because like as a person who runs events, if one of my players says, hey, I've got this Leviathan and I want to run it mm -hmm. as a redemptor, it's on the proper base size and it's within a half inch of all directions of being the right dimensions. As a TO, Hell yeah, man. Use your models. Have fun. As long as they're painted and they look good, I'm happy. Right. Uh, as far as, as anything dealing with the move to Legends, I'm actually not allowed to talk about it, just so you guys know. Uh -huh. uh, as a Games Workshop employee, so it's it's not a conversation that I get to participate in. So. Uh, oh, I do appreciate you letting us know yeah. that. So definitely not trying to beat you there. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, and that's why I wanted to be upfront about yeah. it. Like, I'll cool. definitely give recommendations on what they can do. But as far as like like the bad feels I, all I can do is like, man, I'm super sorry. And I 100% get it, but it's not a conversation that I get to give an opinion on. Yeah. Totally understandable. Um, but yeah, that's, I don't know if you have any further advice, but like my, my, um, my feeling is mostly condol condolences. Yeah. It sucks. It does. Suck, and I, I will validate you on that, that it's a bad it's feeling. Hard. There's no real way. Yeah, it just, it. yeah, it's just, it's just tough. Find, find proxies. If you can, if that doesn't make you happy, I think like Tim said, like, 
know, give it a find somebody who will give it a home that'll make it make them happy. Okay, so this is one that, um, and I don't I don't have the picture ready, um, but this is one that GW employees definitely can talk about. <laughs> uh, from Dan F, what is everyone's hottest take on Stephen Box's Death Guard post in that Death Guard Facebook group? Um, man, it was a, basically for context. Um, obviously, a lot of Death Guard players are unhappy about the uh, power level perceived or real yeah. of the Death Guard index. Um, and I, I do feel like saying like, wait for points could be a little bit of a cop out because we generically, we generically know how many models a power armor army puts on the table. Um, and from what I've seen in that index and what I've seen in the other index, um, they're not going to be cheap enough to put as many models on the table as they need nope. to, to be probably hitting a 50% win rate into those other armies. Um. That, that being said, that's with that's with not having played the new missions, but generically, um, they're a slow army, and I don't think they're durable enough to make up for that. And generically, these these new types of missions, especially if you go tactical, where you don't know what card you're going to flip over, those tend to favor like mobile fast mm -hmm. armies, which is not what you think of when you think of Death Guard. Yeah. Um, so there is valid criticism there. Um, that being said, obviously, some people like tend to get very emotionally invested. They maybe take it a little too far, and I think. This is where Stephen Box comes in. Enter Stephen Box. Um, <laughs> I think he had intentions. He basically kind of said, hey, you know, he basically told everyone more or less to kind of like tone down the salt, tone down the whining, blah, blah, blah. You could, you could if with enough, with enough like, you know, can-do attitude and practice, you can make anything work, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that generally, the, the hot takes around this is that generally came across as um disingenuous at at best or sorry disingenuous at worst and like tone deaf at best um because um steven box uh if you're not familiar from Vanguard tactics he is a good player but he has uh, preached a lot of like sticking with an army versus meta hopping but in the past despite like, meta hopping <laughs> he has he has definitely been played he has definitely played tau harlequins uh, his Blood Angels, of course, World Eaters. Uh, he's played a lot of meta armies, so it's like, and he used to not be that way. So I don't know what changed. And then when he came in with this message, he basically he didn't even say like he was going to try to give Death Guard a shot. So kind of like you know put his money where his mouth is. He was basically just coming in and telling a bunch of people to kind of like, hey, stop whining. Um, so that's that's my hot take on it. Is it just came across a little bit tone deaf and not very self aware either. So that happens, I guess. Um, you guys have anything? To add? I feel. I feel like. I feel like I took over on that one. Yeah, I mean, I have a like Tim. You're very polite. I think. I think broadly speaking, most most folks in in GW content creating universe are very polite people. But there's this line between like, like but that that was a bullshit take. Like Vox's take was a bullshit take. Right. There's two reasons why. There's a there's like a Cliff. I got I got banned. I got banned from two different communities today. They don't want the truth. They don't want <laughs> the truth, Cliff. <laughs> they don't want it. There's like the, there's like the very specific Death Guard specific reason why it was bullshit. And then there's a larger like meta conversation about like giving people space to be upset when something gets taken away from them. Like the game. This game is about managing risk and existing in space successfully, right? And to be able to exist in space, 
You need to be able to move to those spaces and remain in them long enough to be effective. And like thus far, it doesn't appear Death Guard, it doesn't appear the Death Guard are gonna be effective at doing that, right? Like they're slow and they don't appear to be appear to be durable enough to offset that like lack of speed. That sucks. And like that was also the case for the two previous years. So if you're a Death Guard player, you're probably going to be disappointed, especially given what we're seeing from some of the other indexes releases, right? Like that makes sense. One. Two, it's ridiculous to scold people for like being sad when something that makes that brings them joy and like that they have fun doing is made less fun. Like, yeah, bro, I'm gonna be upset about that. Like, I don't need a like opinion from on high from a content creator who's like really good at the game also to tell me like probably casual dad that plays once a month and like is gonna show up and get wrecked by like my friends Eldar next Saturday um, that like I need to like buck up. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, come on, man. That's that's not cool. That's not cool. Yeah, some real big bootstraps yeah, energy like, there. What are we doing? <laughs> like like that, the index is weak. It needs work. Um, people are upset about it, especially if they have this collection. It's like the only faction they play or the only one that they care about. And it's okay to be upset about things being taken away from you. Like it's like three days old, man. Give them some space. It's all good. I will say the one, the one shiny little pearl in that gross, disgusting, <laughs> pus-filled green clam is that Chaos Soup is back on the menu hey. in a big way. Chaos Soup is big time back. So I mean, it kind of sucks. Like, it kind of sucks. That, like, hey, the solution to Death Guard is add a thousand points of stuff that's not Death Guard, you know, and like figure something out. But I mean, like, hey, that's you have that option again. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, you can. Um, like you can literally add 500 points of demons with like no restrictions anymore. You don't have to like take any tax units or anything like that. You're like, hey, my army sucks. Um, it just it just freaking sucks. And I can either try to shore up weaknesses, which by the way is everything, yeah. or I can try to lean the space, you know, which in this case seems to be like, like nothing. Play a nurgling. No, that's a thing, that's a thing you can do. Yeah. Like, um, well, because you could, like I was I was talking about it. I don't think it would actually fit 500 points, but like you could. Um, so you take your three plague burst crawlers, which that would play a good unit, and then yeah. like I don't think three would fit. I doubt it. But like I said, I haven't seen points. But I would say like you take two of the um, the soul grinders. Um, for those who aren't aware, for demons, you take a you when you take a soul grinder or you take a demon prince. They come undivided, then you have to add a god keyword, and then they get that keyword, and they get a bunch of special rules depending what you take. For Soul Grinder, it's a weapon. And for the Nurgle one, you get basically a long-range indirect fire weapon. So for me, like, that's kind of how I evaluate things. I'm kind of like, okay, well, if I have to, like, if I have a squirt gun to my head and I have to play Death Guard, at least try to, like, be, make this... A competitive army if at least performative and i'm like okay it's this is hard um, it is it is durable maybe not relatively durable but like that was i'm assuming that was the intent of the army and when they wrote it they didn't get they didn't get to look at anyone else's work they when when the class with gw and the class separated into like group projects and you know you picked your friend hey pick me i'm your partner and they went over there and death card like oh it's gonna be cool they didn't look at anyone else's work before they submitted their work to the teacher unfortunately and it shows but they i think the goal was to make it to make their faction tough 
you know? So I would lean into that a little bit, which soul grinders are. They're like, I think like T, I don't know, they're T something high. But then they have they have good indirect. That Playburst crawler, that's a pretty good indirect platform. And I think indirect is going to be strong this edition. And the the soul grinder when it's nurgle gets indirect. So now instead of having three good indirect pieces, you have five indirect pieces. And they're all relatively pretty chunky. Now, and then we continue that. You add a knight to spoiler, um, which can take the double guns. I don't know what the guns you'd want to take are. I'd probably lean into... I didn't see a lot of stuff that really deals with vehicles in Death Guard, so I would probably try to go like double thermal cannon because that would probably help with vehicles. Well, but Tim, knights don't have access to indirect fire, and I say, aha, they do, because they have the towering keyword, which is one of the most messed up tools I've seen. <laughs> I am so <laughs> excited about it. So <laughs> In the, last, in the last, like, 10, 15 years of Warhammer, that is one of the most messed up rules I've seen. So I would add a double thermal cannon, Knight to Spoiler, which you also get great value because you get a floating reroll to use on a hit or wound roll with that thing. Um, and so now you have five indirect pieces and four D3 strength, yes, APS, damage, yes, guns with a built-in reroll that can see through obscuring terrain if you have like window open windows or doors or something like that at that point like that actually sounds like a somewhat functional list if at least it's a little bit shaky mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of cool like chaos soup is back on the menu and it's cool yeah. so that actually has me really excited chris what does it look like when players and i wonder if you encountered some of this at gw um have you had players come into events that you're running and you're like they submit their list you're like oof it's gonna to be tough for you, buddy. And then they get there, and like maybe they, like they do have a tough time. Like, what? How do you sort of keep them engaged, you know, in the game and like trying to have a good time? Like, how do you how do you solve how do you solve for that? So, man, so like like as a TO, obviously those players are usually hanging out in the back tables, right? And honestly, one of the things I try to do is just check in with mm -hmm. them as a TO. Hey, how are you doing? Because like. Usually if a player comes with a list like that, they know where they're at skill yeah. level. And and there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of those guys are just coming out to play. Like this is their hobby time. If they win some games, awesome. If they don't, awesome. Uh, I don't think I've ever encountered one of those players who had the misconception that they were going to come in and just like shit roll everybody <laughs> and just be like, ah, I win. You know, so... It's one of those where a lot of those players, in my experience, they generally know where they're at skill level and they know what they're about, which is cool. But I always try to, like as a TO, try to at least check on the bottom tables a little bit more than the top tables just to make sure everybody's still doing all mm -hmm. right because it's very easy for them to get mentally checked out. So for me, it's like I just want to be there, kind of interact with them. Uh, I'm As a TO, I'm not there to make the game harder for you. I'm there to make sure you're having a good time and then to be impartial when you have a rules question. Like that is my approach as a tournament organizer is first first checkbox is are you having fun? And then how can I help you have fun? So a lot of times if I know they're like not having a good time, I'm just trying to be their cheerleader periodically. Um and, and just like when something good does happen, like I'm just like clapping for them and stuff and trying to like jazz them up a little bit. And that's always been kind of my approach as a TO. And then, like I said, then my second function is to be that impartial rules person. 
Um, as a player, I can tell you that I've rolled up with some jank lists thinking I'm going to do really well or I'm not going to do well. And I've had both of those interactions happen. Um, I went to Cagbash, which is a pretty big GT in Cincinnati. And I'm telling you, like, my list was stupid. <laughs> Like, I was the only person running a death kill of war trike. I was the only orc player that wasn't running golfs. Like it was absolutely dumb. And I remember like my first game, uh, I got across the table from the guy and he was like, Oh, you're playing orcs, huh? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, you playing golfs? And I'm like, nah. And he's like, Oh, what, what do you, what do you, what do you do? And I explained it to him and he was like, Oh man, but golfs are so killy. Uh, but I tagged him with the war track. I tagged him with the knob on smash and squig. And then his 10 man of wardens or whatever the troops are for custodes. They're all the same to yeah, me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, they, they just evaporated <laughs> to two models and he was just like, Oh no. And I was like, yeah, they're still killy, buddy. Yeah. Like this is still happening, man. <laughs> but then I've also like rolled up with a like very similar list to other events, like my first time playing on WTC of uh, terrain, very similar list. And I just got like hammered because bikes don't interact with the WTC terrain very well. And I just <laughs> didn't put any kind of research into it. I was just like, eh, eh we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, like, like a table feel player, yeah. you know, uh, I'm, I, can do quick math to figure out my probabilities and stuff. But if it doesn't feel right on the table, I don't care how good it is, you know? Uh, so it's just one of those where now that I know how WTC terrain works, I just know I don't bring bikes like that. So, but yeah, uh, as a TO, I just try to pump them up. And as a player, if I'm in that situation as a player, man, I just, again, my first priority is, is the person across from me having fun, you know, uh, it, it there's when you're at a tournament, there's no reason to get mad, right? That's always been my approach. Like you want to get mad at the game, save that when you're, when you're in the basement with your buddies, like that's like your safe space to me to get pissed off at the game and, you know, be like that. <laughs> but, but when you're out in public, like you are representing the hobby and you don't know if the person across from you is playing their first mm -hmm. event. And I don't want to be the reason they never want to go to a tournament again. So, like, even as a player, like, it's all in my attitude. And I just think about, yeah, I'm not doing well today, but how can I make sure I'm at least making the other person have fun? Yeah. And and that's that's my approach on both sides of that question. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah. I, think maybe I mean, like, I was saying, no, go ahead. Maybe that's what made me so upset about that post is that like, it's sort of missing. It was almost like a perverse take on the on the on the notion that like we all are collectively stewards of the game that we play. <laughs> you gotta be a big boy. Um, That's right. Put your big boy pants on. Um, yeah, you can't be screaming in your basement like, "Who the fuck rolls five ones in a row? What am I doing?" Yeah, I do. <laughs> Um, yeah. all, for all you know, that could have been a person who's been like trying really hard to like, maybe not their first event, but they maybe have been one of those people who just don't do well. And they've like, they've taken out some money to try to do coaching or maybe they try a new army and they've been trying to improve. They're like, I want to improve at the game. And you're catching them like right as like they're mm -hmm. turning that chapter where they're starting to see like limited success. Mm -hmm. And then you immediately suck that joy out of that yeah, tournament. Don't do that. You know, like, so that's something too. Yeah. We're all, we're, there's like a collective stewardship responsibility that we all have when you show up at the table because it's like a forced shared social experience. So I, I'm realizing now, I think that's what ticked me off so much about that box post because it's like, we're not going to be there. If someone's having a bad time across the table for me, I'm not going to like look at them and be like, come on, buddy, pull them up. You'll be all right. I'm like, don't do that. 
we don't want to do that. You wouldn't do that to somebody in real life. You wouldn't do it across the table from somebody. Like, do what you can to make sure that they're having a good time, like you can say, Chris. So, um, yeah, yeah, super disrespectful. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to segue real quick because Sam Lemon, a longtime friend of the show, uh, had a good. Yeah. I thought this was related. Uh, a related question, so I want to kind of catch the inertia. Do you like the idea of beginner tournaments, which are set up for those who is their first or second tourney, and then more advanced events for those who are experienced? Uh, I love that. I, I would say that, like, RTT, anything that's, like, a 2,000 point and is using, like, kind of, like, whatever the generally accepted um, terrain format, whether it's player-placed, uh, GW, or WTC, and it's 2,000 points, by default, I think that's going to, like, attract any local sharks and it's going to be an advanced event um i think as soon as you cut to like um non-standard stuff like if you do i love what they're doing with the new combat patrol where it's like hey show up with your box mm -hmm. and you play your play what's it build what's in the box paint what's in the box play what's in the box um they say they're balanced for each other uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna make any promises on that you know, but I think if it's for brand new players showing up, probably it's fine. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's probably fine. Um, and then you know, I think I like that. I love that idea. I, I've talked with our local TO slash store owner about it. Um, I think it's good that I think it's a really cool thing that they're doing for like local store owners, where you just like point people towards a box, and it's a it's a great jumping off point for <laughs> slow grow leagues. Um. And I think slow grow leagues and um, beginner tournaments are a great thing. I think leagues are probably a little bit better for beginners mm -hmm. than like an actual like one day tournament. Yeah. But I think what you can kind of do, and I've seen people do it with like limited success, is um, they have a slow grow league that coincidentally ends right at or right before a regular 2000 point RTT. Yep. And so that point, it's kind of like, Hey, you've just grown and gotten instantly. Sorry, I hit my mic. Uh, you've grown and gotten instantly familiar with this, with this, um, this new army of yours that you love and you're having fun with and everything. If you want to take the next step, one week after your league, we're having our monthly store tournament. Feel free to show up. We have a fun time. If you don't like the idea of doing a tournament, like some people. They, it's not that they hate tournaments. They just it's just not for them. Mm -hmm. They just don't want to do it. That's all they want to do. And that's totally valid. They're just like no, 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 thank you. I'll just play pickup games or I'll play casual games or I'll go look into doing like crusade or stuff like that. And that's fine too. Um, but I love I love the idea for sure. I think it's just a little bit better as a league maybe. And so I have two formats that I run every year, and I get those are my two tournaments that get the best turnout, and they're non-standard formats. Uh, every like February, March, I do a Highlander tournament and that's rule of one for every data sheet, except for troops and dedicated transports. And then a doubles tournament every December and those non-standard formats for tournaments will really also do well for beginner players because you can't see like all the meta lists, right? And, and Highlander, especially it's one of those where you're not going to see the spam lists and the whatever's meta because you can only bring one of everything. And so the, the having the off format tournaments, even if they're not intended to be beginner friendly, definitely tend to be more beginner friendly. And I would definitely recommend that for anybody that's going to be running events that want something a little bit more friendly to new players. I love Highlander events. Um, it's not something I seek out, but I've done, I've done Highlander RT, RTTs once or twice. Um, 
and it's a nice kind of like thought exercise when you're building a list, mm-hmm. especially if like you're one of those factions that they um, you have two or three really strong data sheets, and then when you realize the meta list has actually just been only <laughs> strong data sheets. So you start by building the meta list, and then you realize you still have like 900 points to go to build a legal list, and you're kind of like, okay, well, I don't love these units, but <laughs> what if I have to bring this unit to get otherwise? Because otherwise, I'm just how don't like what what's it going to do? What's like how can I build around it and stuff like that? You know, um, and that's always been interesting. And you also you also have like that nice emotion uh, emotional security blanket, where like if you don't win, you're just kind of like, oh, it wasn't a real it was it was highlander it didn't count it didn't count any it's not that i'm not getting the game it's the you know like so you get that little you get that little like layer to like wrap to wrap yourself in and feel safe so there's that too oh yeah yeah to tim's point about the slugger leagues we literally just my local game store uh just closed out a three-month-long slow bro from like 500 to a thousand um and capped it off with this like thousand point rtt end of that month really just for those players to get like like this is how an event runs this is what it looks like uh we're using the real like you can't bring your crusade stuff over we're just using like you know standard approach um in anticipation of a 2000 point was uh, 2000 point rtt the following month and that was like that went great uh, yeah it was a great opportunity just to get people like sort of like simultaneously used to each other and also like upskilled over time highly recommend yeah, I think I definitely think that's probably the biggest hurdle that like people don't really talk about or whatever is um, the forced social interaction for an extended period of time um, and trying to trying to quickly trying to quickly create common ground between two people whose mental models of the game might be and the rule set might be like slightly mm-hmm. different and then quickly reconciling that in like an amical way. Um, that's something that probably doesn't get talked about enough. Um, and that's that's a skill set that is easy to take for granted. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the slow grow leagues and that kind of stuff, I think it's as much about developing that skill set as it is about learning the game itself. Uh, so the second half of Dan F's question, uh, jumping back. I like how we always jump back and forth between like men's support group and like 40 <laughs> 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 Um so jumping back to the 40k side of things from Dan F, what is the biggest X and one energy faction release so far that isn't of the night variety? Um, and I got to apologize to Dan publicly for this. I got to eat a little bit of crow. Um, I was up for entirely too long the other night playing Diablo <laughs> 4. And I thought I thought the boxy Death Guard thing and the X and one energy faction thing, I thought like that was like the same faction <laughs> whatever. So I thought Dan was saying, I thought Dan was saying Dude, Death Guard was Death like Guard. an X and one energy faction. And I was like, oh, I was like X and five, maybe. Like, so I, I apologize, Dan. I already, pub- I already apologized to him in Discord, but I'm going to immortalize yeah. it in this, in this uh, video. I apologize on that one. I read it. I was too tired to read it too fast. It's got to, I don't know. I'm biased, obviously, but I think it's Custodes because I think, I think you put Custodes infantry on the table and we joke about the like less lethal thing, but I think legitimately like having a two up armor is even relatively high toughness let alone access to a four up against mortal. I think it's like a real, those models are difficult to shift unless you're throwing big dice, rape cannons at it, right? The, um, and I think that you're like, you'll put your guys out and you're like, oh man, they're gonna get shot. Oh, look, there's like way more alive than I thought there would be. 
oh, something's charging me. Oh, wait, like I get to fight first. Oh, weird, that unit is just dead now. <laughs> I get to move on with my life. I think it's the sort of thing where like literally through emergent gameplay, someone who is not necessarily super experienced in the game will find success and like within that success give themselves the space to like focus on other parts of the game like where should i be where can i be in one turn two turns three turns uh, let me focus on these secondaries what can i do but then all you know you're like you're gonna go in there if you're not great you're gonna lose to somebody who's actually really great or lose to somebody playing LDR for the first time ever who's just throwing sixes down on the table either way uh, you're gonna lose the game <laughs> But yeah. but yeah, I think they seem like super forgiving right now, but also have a lot, like a very high ceiling, I think, uh, given their melee, the like combat phase manipulation they have access to. What about you, Chris? What do you think? Uh, what exactly are you asking me? <laughs> That's, oh, yeah, I forget. I forget. Yeah. He's, we, have, we have got to indoctrinate you. Um, so <laughs> the, uh, the, the premise of the show, generically, you can tell we we totally did this like we totally got Chris on with them. We we're like, hey, we like you. Come on the show. We didn't tell him anything. We we're just like, show up. Nothing. Um, like he's not lying. Nothing. We, it was nothing. We did not. We we like, didn't, we didn't tell, here's the time. Crap. And I'm definitely going to be late anyway. But here's the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I I did give you a warning. I was like, this is the time we say we're going to show up. This is the time we're actually going to show up. Um, the idea of X and One was that like Cliff and I got together and then we kind of got encouraged. Um, there's been a long time for the bad. I'm going to go on a small tangent here. Um, <laughs> when when a lot of content creators started moving into like kind of broad strokes um, content creation with the purpose of making people better at the game, uh, a lot of the advice given um, was either felt very complicated or felt um, convoluted. And even though it was technically correct, it was just like almost a fire hose of um, of information coming at players, um, and then also a lot of it kind of felt like like kind of like step one, step two, step three, draw the rest of the fucking out, you know, like for success. <laughs> and or it was kind of like, oh, by the way, um, terms and conditions may apply. Those terms and conditions are you need to get eight games a week for this to work for you. And it was kind of like, oh, okay, um, so. Cliff and I and then others were kind of like, hey, and then Anthony was a big champion of this. He was kind of like, hey, a lot of these people with super complicated like plans, you know, like <laughs> they they just their plans kind of fall apart when you run up and you just punch them in the face, you know, and that's that is true. Like a lot of these like high level players, I felt like whenever I played a uh, gone against like a known well-known named player and I lost a lot of times it was because I shot a unit, you know, for whatever reason. And then I killed like eight out of 10 guys. And those two little guys, I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about them anymore. And then they show up, turn like four or five. And it turns out I did have to worry about them. <laughs> they, they, they soak Overwatch, they move block, they score, they, they, they tie up my stuff. And I'm just like, oh my God, if I just kill those two guys, you know, because they just have all those options and everything like that. So X of one is a lot about um, – really had to lean more into like the simple side of 40k where like instead of like just doing endless repetitions and trying to big brain our way to success and stuff like that how do we hit like the broad strokes kind of stuff that gets you like 80 percent of the way there and then because a lot of us uh the creators of the show and then a lot of the patrons of the show uh, are busy with like wife kids social life careers uh other games stuff like that how 
to do more of one thing, aka win games, you have to do less of something else. And for us, that's maybe curtailing some of your choices or expectations and leaning more into like ungabunga powerful type armies yeah. and just being like just a thug on the table yeah. you know? and, <laughs> and we're really looking for and like and i think cliff gave a perfect example of custodies who are a forgiving army but there is a lot of gas in that tank on how far they can go into an event they're like a perfect example a lot of people talk about knights too Knights aren't always like an X1 style army, but they do have a lot of raw mm -hmm. power. And a lot of times they just carry you. Hey, I only play two games a month, but this army is really good. I know how to build a list. I generically know how to play 40k well. I'm going to make good decisions. Boom. Next thing you know, you're four and one. That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So, little speech over. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Uh, and, and like, I'm not going to repeat Cliff, but I would obviously agree with him. <laughs> Uh, I, I can't argue with that. Like I have looked through custodes a bit and they definitely look like a, a very forgiving army that will, will give players some leniency as they kind of figure out their game plan. Uh, and, and honestly, I think Marines as a whole, mm -hmm. it, it, they don't look bad because they have so many options, yeah. right? Um, it's hard to gauge how good they're going to be in terms of scoring, shooting, killing, because they have more data sheets than anything else in the game. And when you have that many data sheets, unless the whole army is just bad, you have so many ways to do your yeah. thing. Right. Um, and, and that's really it. Like you look at like all the dreadnoughts look good. You put them on the table, they're going to be forgiving. So you're going to have these anchors so that you can use your Marines to go do various things to score points. And that's to me where Marines are going to shine is when they have their big anchor units to kind of draw that fire to allow their troops to interact and do the things that their troops need to do. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to be as forgiving as like a custodes army because they are still just like two wounds and they're not T7. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gaskell T6, I'm not salty about it. So I'm going to mention it. Not salty, but I'm salty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But no, I, I do think, uh, you know, Especially as we start to see like all the different sub factions of Marines, like Dark Angels have some interesting play. Mm -hmm. I, again, like like the Knights having damage reduction is going to be pretty solid for a good like surprisingly durable unit. Yep. Uh, rip Death Guard, you know. Um, but Man. it's one of those where, as a whole, I think Marines are going to kind of fit in that because you're just going to have a tool for whatever you need it for. And I think almost every data sheet I've looked at in that stupid index has got rerolls of some. some <laughs> uh, rerolls, baby. Uh, and, and like the, the free stratagems, right? Like the captain's allowing you to double up on stratagems yeah. and do it for free. So you're just going to have so many different options and interactions that really the only reason it wouldn't be easy for a newer player is because there's just, you you get spoiled by choice and you're going to get per, uh, decision paralysis, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I can do so many things. What do I do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I man, I don't I don't really think I can add anything on to your guys answers. You guys actually those were the two routes I was going to go um, custodies and space. Marine. Well, I mean, also, like from a logistical kind of standpoint, those are those are easy armies for a newer player to pick yeah. up. Yep. Um, you're not gonna have to for the most yeah for the if they're easy to paint um for the most part you're not gonna have to worry about some obscure unit going like out of stock for six months at a time 
Uh, I'm dealing with that a little bit right now for demons. I'm like, I'm trying to find like some random chariots, and I'm just oh. like, oh. well, it was like it was back when I was trying to get fiends all over again. You know, like it was just it was just hard. I managed to jump the. I managed to get out ahead of everyone for for war dogs, but then like like war dogs were gone. just impossible force yeah. yeah. for a long time. Um, yeah, I think I think you two guys nailed it. I'm I'm a little bit biased, but um, I think demons potentially. Mm-hmm. I think they have a lot of I think they have a lot of archetypes, but like you could just play oops all big boys, and that probably seems fine. Yeah. Um, Slanesh is the tanky faction now for some reason they they have like field of pains like on all the all the all the big ones um the bloodthirster just looks good i mean he's very one-dimensional but he looks good he chops he does mortals he does it again uh, <laughs> scarbrand looks great bellicor looks great you're just like okay here's bellicor my big boys and uh oh you went first cool unless you do with any changes i mean you can't shoot me you know that's a pretty good way to start a game yeah. in my in my perspective yeah. you know like if you don't just get immediately Thanos snapped when you don't go second, <laughs> oh god! I don't know. I don't know. Exa- I don't know exactly. What, I don't know exactly what the exact steps to going four and one are, but I feel like that would be one of them. So <laughs> you'll just die when you go second. Um, but yeah, I think I think you I think you two guys really nailed it. Marines and Marines and Custodians. That's a great way, especially. So if you're reading this, you're thinking like in or watch this thing like into forty k, and you want to go competitive, like. Yeah, pick up two bundle boxes of custodies or something like that. Just go ham. Uh, next question. I had to delete a few of them because we actually kind of organically answered uh-huh. them. Uh, ooh, this would be this would be a really good one for hot takes. Um, <laughs> and Chris, if you need to recuse yourself from this one, I will totally understand. Uh, from Tom H, are pre-launch fixes, aka Votan, the Death Watch strat, good when there's an obvious problem? Does it ever become a little bit of a bait and switch to drive sales? Uh, Chris, you. I'm sorry, uh, Cliff. You go first. Chris, you just blink twice if you can't answer that. <laughs> I, I can and answer half of okay. it. So okay, and then I'll give my answer, and I'll try to keep it very short. Yeah. Um, Games Workshop is a for-profit company. Its motivation is to sell you plastic miniatures and other merchandise. That is what it is trying to do. Its aims to get there are whatever they're going to be. I honestly do not think that shop is operating in such bad faith that they'd purposely be like this is amazing and then you buy a bunch of like stern guard veterans and then they're like just kidding but we did clear out our back stock like that's not i don't think that's in the strategic plan um what i do think is that they're just making honest mistakes because they're just missing things during the like sort of balancing design process um and that they do like want to fix those things before they hit the tables and like cause a a scale of feels bad that they're not really interested in introducing. Um, so, like, I think I think it's like net quite good to have fixes like that. I actually don't think it's an intentional bait and switch situation. I think I'm more frustrated by like the the like horse heresy plastic kits being like that. To me, seems like a that feels worse from a I spent money on this and expected to be able to use them perspective than a like. You know, my incredibly overpowered thing that I bought because I was chasing the meta in real time um, is now not as good and I like wasted my money. Like if you're if you're trying to live on the bleeding edge, <laughs> like that edge is not long lasting. So 
yeah, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, but I don't think they're trying to scam you on that. Chris, what do you think? The party yeah. can't talk about. Uh, yeah, so, so I, I'm not going to talk on how I feel about the, the bait and switch kind of interaction. But I will say, I do think that the rules adjustments that happen at the speed that they happen, in my opinion, is good for the game. Uh, it does have some downsides. As, as we said before, like it feels almost like a video game company at this point. Like we're now seeing if Bethesda made Warhammer, right? <laughs> we're going to release this game. It's going to have all kinds of bugs and we're just going to patch it in real time and everybody's going to love it eventually. And uh, it's one of those where it's, it's a mixed bag. But I appreciate it. I appreciated the data slates in ninth because, like, once the aircraft nerf hit, orcs were not good, mm. right? And everybody was like, oh, it wasn't the aircraft. Yeah, it was. Like, yeah. it wasn't even the squig buggies. It was the aircraft. Like, you take those aircraft out of that list and it falls apart. So it's one of those where getting the data slate to kind of balance and the points constantly. And then if something looks busted like the Votan did, like got to meet the guy that caused that whole interaction. Super cool dude told me exactly what happened. And I was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, he was just like, no man, I read this one time. and was just like, not interested. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's one of those where I think it's great for the game when we can have things that are balanced reasonably when they hit the table, rather than let them hit the table. Like you said, and create those feel bads for a couple months and then we fix it. Uh, you know, and I get that like, Players who are getting into that army are, are going to ride that hype train. But if we already set that expectation that this is a potential, I think then it becomes, okay, as a player, I just need to set that expectation on myself and understand that if it looks too good to be true, there's a good chance it's going to get changed yeah. before I even get to put it on the table. You know, GW never, like, with with the data slates and stuff, they never were disingenuous or dishonest about it. It was very much a, okay, this is what it is moving forward. So again, I think the pregame stuff, like before it hits tables, I think it's great for the community and for the game. I, I am super sorry that it creates feel bads for people who invest in that product before it hits the table. Um, but if you are a video game player and you remember No Man's Sky, yeah, right? Yeah. Absolute trash yeah, game at launch. So bad. Uh, fantastic so game yeah. now. Yeah. But how many refunds did they have to process? And GW is just trying to not get to that right. point, you know. I will be the uh, the voice of contention here. As someone who was recently crossing swords with the community as early as this morning, <laughs> um, I when when things are bad and you try to whistleblow. Um, it tends to bring out the worst in the community and it a lot of times it feels like um it feels like the um just like when you see like a review on any sort of product it's always you never very few people take the time out of the day to go back and review a product they like but a lot of people are petty enough where if they hate a product they will like try to like ruin everyone else's day as well and they'll just leave those scathing reviews so um, when you try to whistleblow, you say, oh, so, something is too strong, whatever, you know, and there's there's not a whole lot of avenues um, that are clear 
or that we can prove are effective to get GW to listen to stuff, especially if we're trying to nerf it before it becomes a problem or adjust it or say, hey, at least take a second look at this like that. Um, the biggest way is like, you know, what your TOs taking action or the community taking action. However, like I said, it brings, it tends from what I've seen to bring out the worst in the community. Um, whether I agree with what the bug eater GT did, whether I agree with it or I don't agree with it or whatever, um, is besides the point. One, the assumption that people made was that the TO had no zero information. Um, Playtesters, TOs, and content creators are all people who are um, invested into the game at a higher level than your average Joe. So it makes sense that a lot of these people run in the same circles. And a lot of times they all kind of pass information along each other. So to, so to, to say that the, a TO, to just come out and say as a fact that TO has no information without with you not knowing them and that they're just uh, overreacting is a disingenuous concept at its core, um, whether it's right or wrong. Two, let's just assume that that TO was just even remotely for a second trying to be charitable. Um, and was just trying to make sure his players were having, like, we're going to have a good time. Uh, because, like, maybe he, maybe that TO is a playtester. Maybe he's friends with the playtester. Maybe he's friends with the content creator. And he's seen the games. And he's like, man, if I let this happen, um, people are not going to have a good time. And a lot of people are going to drop day two or whatever, blah, 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 whatever. So let's just assume it was charity. It might have not been. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I don't know anything about him. But it's like... Anyone who anyone who went into that dumpster fire of a thread on Reddit or Facebook and even tried to play devil's advocate for a second and just attribute any sort of charity to that TO pretty much got burned to the stake in the same way that the TO <laughs> Likewise, anyone who tries to whistleblow and say, hey, um, X faction might be a little bit too strong. We should probably try to look at it. Also gets essentially crucified online. And at a certain point, you're going to have people that basically say, okay, well, why am I going to waste my time uh, trying to whistleblow when instead I can just use my access to quickly dump units while people are still excited about buying them and or buy units and models um, before the prices go up on eBay and before they go out of stock on GW store for six months at a time. Or I can just try to do the right thing, do right by the community and just get dragged and flamed. Um, and just have my day completely ruined. And so it seems to me that there's a, there's been a huge influx in the hobby, and a lot of those people that have joined the hobby joined the hobby after um, fall of 2019 when Iron Hands were introduced mm. to the game. And I think we need to go back to that again, where we see what happens when the game just gets completely ruined by one faction for the better part of six yeah. months. And it's all you see it every single well, time. I think if nothing no, else, no, no. so that if nothing, if nothing else, so that way people can understand and we can understand that like we aren't just out to get these factions. A lot of us that are advocating, you know, for these factions get look at play these factions, but we understand it's not healthy for mm -hmm. the game. But it's also not healthy for people's mental health to try and do right by the community, and then the worst aspects of the community just viciously attack you. Um, so I'm going to basically be the counter voice here and say that I think we do need to have a little bit of, uh, let the, let the masses suffer and have an iron hands 3.0 <laughs> and really show what it's really show what it's like when something hits the table broken and stays broken for three to six months. 
and then we can kind of go back to doing like right by the community. So that's my take on it. <laughs> I'm um I'm remembering writing that like leagues of Votan like math rundown articles. Just like these units are so efficient. The the pre-release rules. These units are so efficient. This yeah. this army wide rule skips the math in a way that like nothing else in the game to to that point had been released. Uh, it had been released did, and just given a pretty neutral like this is crazy 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 and needs to be addressed if we want to avoid an iron hands end base situation. Um, and even coming into that, it's like you know reasonable argument. Here's all the evidence. Here's the proof. Here's multiple units of comparison. Here's all the math. Um, there was still like, dude, no, like, I love these guys. <laughs> like, I'm a lifelong Votan <laughs> player. Uh, what do you mean? Like, let's let it hit the tables first. It's like, I'm with you, man. The models look cool. Sagittar Army, go, go, go. But also, like, it's a, we're all playing a game. Like, it needs to be fun. And part of the fun is feeling like you have a shot at the table, um, no matter who you're playing. And, like, running up against, you know, running into some of these factions, uh, without the changes leads to you showing up to the table and just getting blasted in one or two turns and, and not having a great time. So, yeah, sorry, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember that. You basically, like, putting so much work and effort in this, <laughs> and then you still, still, know. you know, had the cog had the cognitive dissonance, like, thrown yeah, back at you. Right. And I was just I like, also, I work in politics, though, so I'm, like, sort of a sucker for that kind of uh, public scrutiny yeah. and punishment so it's all it's all it's your it's your <laughs> into it yeah exactly uh, <laughs> all right from terry n with battle scribe being gone for 10th edition what would all recommend for creating a submitting list for bcp i was thinking of taking a smartphone picture of a polaroid picture of a list of a legal pad but i don't want to piss off the TO. <laughs> well i'm glad that that's what stopped you from doing that um yeah pen and paper throw it in an excel spreadsheet yeah. Um, yeah, okay. fine. Uh, oh crap, I closed the pen messages. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm skipping that question because otherwise I will go on a rant and this this episode oh, is boy. four yeah, hours. Yeah. And Chris Chris will be like, please let me escape from this show. Um, <laughs> from Jake from Jake B. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but it said, what are the first few baby steps to hitting more two-day events through a year? I did a whole one event last year that was one through rounds. I'm very interested in hitting up multiple GTs, especially with the hype of a new edition, but the logistics kind of suck. Leaving my wife alone with our kid over a full weekend and a hotel cost for one to two nights doesn't feel like it should be as big of a hurdle as it's turning out to be enlightening me X1 rock stars. Well, I'm going to start by reframing this. Leaving your wife alone with your kid over a full weekend plus hotel cost for one to two nights that is a big ass, yes. man. Like that is, yeah, yeah. That's a big ass. Like, don't feel bad about that. Like, I have to, I have to take, like, that's for me. Like, that's in the middle of my work week. So, like, I have to get like time off approved in a in a career <clears throat> field that is notoriously short staffed. You know, um, so I like usually involves like shift swaps, um, like begging and pleading with my supervisor, uh, coming down with a really coincidentally timed cold. <laughs> um, you know, all sorts of other stuff. And then like, and then I have to like take care of like childcare. Um, then I have to like make it up to my wife somehow, or just bring the wife and kid along and then find stuff for them to do. I have to possibly like get like my parents involved. So thankfully my parents, um, like live, they moved down here to Florida because they're empty nesters. Now I have, I'm the oldest of four siblings. So they're five minutes away. You Me know, too. My, my dad, my mom's the four. Yeah, cool. My, 
Yeah, but my um, my dad's not in the best health anymore, and my my mom still works, you know, and she has a weird schedule too. So like, there's a lot of like moving pieces that have to come along. Um, and so now for me, it's kind of like, hey, I just don't go to as many events as I as I used to. Um, that's part of like why I did this show now. It's what it's like. It was my outlet because I just don't go to as many events as I used yeah. to. Um, but I still want to talk. I still want to share info, share knowledge, and kind of like live vicariously through all the people that can go to events. Uh, and this is kind of my outlet for doing that. And unfortunately, like until your kid gets older, probably like you might just have to live vicariously through other people. You know, hop on TTS, cultivate a local group, um, stuff like that. Try to be more selective with the events you go to. Try to go to events that are like in destination cities and make like make like a uh, trip out of it. Are you, is it going to drastically increase the cost of your trip? Yes, it is. I'm going to WTC this summer. I'm bringing along my wife. I'm bringing along my kid. I'm bringing along a, um, a 19 year old babysitter. I have two hotel rooms instead of one. I had to buy four freaking plane tickets. Um, that is not tenable for doing multiple events a year. Let me tell you what, but I can do it like, like, you know, clear of conscious knowing that like, there isn't going to be like that, that like yeah. resentment within my family unit, you know, or like that kind of like friction or stuff like that. And that's a real thing you have to factor in, you know, um, if you want someone who's going to support you, that is like, these are the conversations you have to have. So when, one thing I will add on that is it's also very dependent on your geographic location, right? Mm. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to live an hour outside of Chicago and about two hours outside of Indy. So like if there's a two day event in Chicago, I could comfortably make that commute every day. So that's that's also a thing to keep in mind is if you live in an area where maybe there's one close by, you don't have to get that. Uh, and as far as the expense hurdle goes, man, get you some friends so you can actually go together and then split the cost of the hotel or the Airbnb. Yeah. Now, the child care and the wife, man, that's that's going to be however you guys decide to handle <laughs> that. All I can do is tell you what I do and tell you if it works. But it's it's really, again, just going to that understanding and just just setting that expectation, having the conversation. Hey, I would like to do two events this year that are all weekend long and I'll space them out. So they're not just back to back to back, you know, um, but ultimately just, just keep in mind your geographic location. If you're lucky like me and you live in a cornfield, that's an hour outside of one city and two hours outside of another, you know, try, just try to find them closer. Mm -hmm. will help you out tremendously. You guys nailed it. Cliff, what about you? How'd you, how'd you, how'd you sell LVL? <laughs> so I, um, it was the one like big travel event that I'd gone to. I like I just like hit up the local, the local store for RTTs. Really, and it's like a twenty minute drive. So like, it's not my my in person time. Most of the time, it's pretty low key. It was Vegas. Um, it was on a weekend where like my mother in law was available, my sister in law was available. Um, got two young kids. My wife didn't have my wife's surgeon. She wasn't on call. So like all of these things came together to be like, oh yeah, you can go. I'm like, all right, great. Like I'm off. But all of those stars had to align in order to make sure that, that was possible. Um, and it was literally like just me uh, going to Vegas and specifically going to Vegas and not doing Vegas things. Like it was like us hanging out, playing 40K, meeting the rest of the guys, drinking at the Applebee's, right? Like get, getting after it in that way. So um, yeah, just like 
planning out ahead of time and making sure that you're actively splitting your responsibilities with your significant other helps a lot. Yeah. The other thing I'll say, um, let's say I don't, I don't want to like completely like take over the conversation, but um, just be, and this might come with experience, but be a little more um, scrutinizing is word I'm for. I don't know. Um, don't just go chase like the biggest event out mm -hmm. there. Be like, oh, this is the biggest event. So this is going to be the one I want to go to. Um, take into account like a lot of things, you know, like which one is going to have like the most friends you're going to go with or which one um, has like a nice hotel or which one has uh, a history of being a good event um, with good terrain, with lots of judges or lots of support um, that lots of people like always talk about. And you have a lot of like faithful people who go every year because the TO like really puts on a good event or stuff like that. Um, because if you just go to the biggest event, and you're ignoring all the warts of the event and then you kind of like you kind of don't do as well as you expected to do and like you're you're right off the bat like you kind of start tilting a little bit because you're not performing as well as you thought if all those other things are not going well you might be tempted to be like man i, I miss my wife i miss my kids um and you you just you're sitting in your hotel room at like Friday night or Saturday night, and you're looking at early flights home and stuff like that, you know, and that's not really the situation you want to be in. Um, but if your friends are going and if it's like, if it's a well-run event and you have all this other stuff going on too, if you aren't doing as well, you're more likely just to like kind of shift your expectations and still end up having a great time. And then like maybe even rally like day two or whatever, and you finish up like three, two or something like that, you know? Um, so that's the other thing I'd say is just, Pay more attention to event quality. Well, so, uh, yeah. next question. Oh, we already talked about this. We talked about the invalidating uh, collections thing. We had a long talk about mm -hmm. that. Oh, here's a good one. Um, we'll let the we'll let uh, Chris, our guest, answer this one first because we've answered this a couple times, but I'm not always happy to answer it again. Um, from Joel T, any tips for getting the most out of re-rack sessions when practicing? Um, Chris, do you ever do re-racks when you practice games? Yeah, absolutely. You know. Uh... You know, when, so like when, uh, like when Tau first launched in ninth, there was a lot of re-racking because it was a lot of, I'm off the table in two turns. Right. Uh, <laughs> and really the big thing is like, if, if you're re-racking, you gotta, you gotta take into account a few things. Like, are you, are you tweaking anything in re-racking or are you just playing the same thing? And if you're just playing the same thing and you know, you're going to re-rack, take you some notes, whether you are writing them down, whether you are mentally doing it. But you need to think about what went well, what didn't go well, and what it is you need to change. Because sometimes, like if you have a list concept, it's it's probably not going to work the first time you put it on the table. Like that's just how it goes, right? Unless it's like something super good, uh, it's, it's probably not working the first time you put it on the table, especially if you're playing against somebody who plays against you a lot. Because they already know your kind of play style, what you tend to do. So if you're if you're re-racking, man, just just do it as soon as you realize, like have the conversation, do it as soon as you realize you you, you aren't. As soon as you realize things aren't going the way you think they should. Right. Like if you get to turn three and you're just getting your teeth kicked in, just look at them and be like, hey, man, I'd like to stop. I'd like to re-rack. I'd like to go again. And then again, just be mindful of what it is you did and how to do it differently. So like when we play on Fridays. Uh, we've, we play enough at this point that we don't necessarily have to, but we were taking notepads for a while and just being like, okay, 
I think this should work. And when it doesn't, okay, why didn't it work? Right. Um, was it just a case of like super bad dice? Cause that does occasionally happen with dice games. Uh, or was it just like, you did the math and it sounded good, but once you hit the table with it, it just doesn't yeah. work out. Because again, you can't account for every variable with math that's going to happen on the table because like, are they in terrain? Are they not in terrain? Is this this, you know, like the positioning is going to be different. So I, I would try to head it off as early as possible in the game that you realize it's just not going to work and just be as, as cordial as possible. Hey, man. Here's what I was trying to do. And also, obviously, if we're re-bracking, it's because we're trying to change something, improve something. Ask that opponent, what do you think I could do differently? So I'm an orc player. I play against a Tau player a lot. And we have a very different perspective on the game. But because of the way we play, our Tau player is not afraid to charge people with mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Like he just knows it's part of the game and he's got to do it. And he'd rather fight on his terms than my terms. So, again, like like get the perspective of the different people that you play against, because they're going to they're going to understand the game differently than you do. And they'll give you insights that you might not necessarily know. And the sooner you can head it off and re-rack and get those insights, the sooner you can get dice back on the table and, and hopefully have a little bit more fun with the next iteration of your game. Yeah, uh, great advice. Um, yeah, reracts are important. I know, like almost every time the con the conversation of reracts comes up, there's always one person who's kind of like, "Oh, well, the end game is important," or "Oh, I like to play full games." It's like, well, one, uh, no one asked you. Two, <laughs> um, not all games go to round five, but every single game goes through round one. Um, so that is why reracts are so important because every every single game has a deployment step. Every single game has those first like one to two rounds. You know, it's very rare that someone gets tabled at the top of one. You know, and even if you even if you do, you can immediately kind of feedback loop that to like uh, list construction and deployment, assuming terrain is decent. Um, um, but yeah, you're mainly you're mainly trying to you're really trying to hone in on your deployment and then like you're kind of like your opening moves like when you're playing chess a lot of people practice their openings for the same reason you know because not every chess game goes into the end game but every chess game has that early game and so a lot of people especially when they're just starting out they practice their openers until they know them all cold until they recognize them and you can kind of transfer that a little bit to 40k practice your deployment practice your openers you know scoring your initial units you know like you're trying to clear screens you're starting you're trying to start that escalation war of trading units stuff like that you know for like trying to trying to tease out or force your opponent to commit his units earlier than he wants to commit them because you're otherwise you're going to score like a bunch of points with some cheap unit or something like that and he has to make that kind of devil's choice um like what you said you know when you're trying out lists or stuff like that that happens a lot it's happened to me too you know where i'm just like I think we've all been there where you're kind of like, hey, man, I want to try out this new list concept. Or I want to try out this new unit. And you, you're you playing an army that you're not quite familiar with, so you kind of like don't have that muscle memory built in, deployed a little bit weird. Um, and then you go into your opponent who has like 50 games under his belt with his home GT list, and he just kills that unit right off the rip. And then like he's like, yeah, that unit didn't impress me very much. And you're like, kind of, thanks, thanks. Like, thanks. <laughs> so we've all been there. Um, but but that's a great session to re-rack, you know? Like, anytime you feel like the game, 
either anytime you feel like you've learned as much as you can from that rep or anytime you feel yeah. like the game is getting to a state where it's like not representative it's kind of like hey my first combat my first combat of the game um you know i charge and i hit a vehicle and then it blows up and the explosion kills like five out of my six characters it's kind of like all right well this yeah that like, what happen, if that didn't happen but, <laughs> Yeah, but it's but it's also kind of like this game is no. If we continue, this game is no longer like represent. Yeah. It's not. It's no longer. Yeah, it's not real. It's no longer representative. So that would be a great time to like kind of like laugh and then be like, all right, let's just pretend that didn't happen, or let's just like reset because like this game is no longer representative. And if we're trying, if this, if we're just having a game, we're just having a game. Play it as mm -hmm. lies, you know. But you know, or if you want to practice playing from behind, you do you. But um, that's a great yeah. way to do it. Also, I think if you are trying a new concept. And you're, you have the rough idea of a list, but you kind of have a couple of units you're not sure about. And you're kind of like, okay, well, this is the iteration A, but I have iteration B and C ready to go. Bring those models with you to your practice session. Get like a get like some reps in until you are sure. And if you're kind of like, hey, iteration A, like I was worried about this unit not making the cut, and and my my confirmation is true, it's not going to make it. Boom, iteration B, same mission, like redeploy everything. Use this time to adjust your deployment. Let's go again. That way you can really kind of like, you know, fast forward um, your iteration of lists. So that that's what I would recommend. I would I would add uh, two things. One, this is broadly for like any sort of practice that you're engaged in. If you're trying to do deliberate practice, you want to go in it with like fairly specifically outlined goals. So like what to Tim's point, if your goal is like we really want to get turns one and two right, like in the NFL, basically, like every team has an opening kickoff scripted series, like on their first set of downs, like they practice it, it's what they're going to run, they're just going to go and execute. If your goal is to have turns one deployment, turn one, maybe turn two down, like go into it with your opponent who ideally has the same goal and like run through those. If you want to get that practice, like, okay, cool, let's run through that, you get to turn three and you're like, all right, let me see how to like how the end game rolls out, do the same thing, but just from that point in the game. Where you're rolling out like from turn three on, where those three, four, five look like when you're trying to grind something out in a close, closely uh, uh, contested game, uh, and then again be comfortable bringing it back. Like, okay, that didn't work. That advance didn't go, but uh, that melee charge didn't go off. Like, just bring it back and see what you can do. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll add what pizza bagels said because I, I feel like this is really um, yeah. good. Also, taking photos of the board state is great too. Dude, um, especially now with like smart smartphones, you can like you can like draw yeah. a smartphone like a telecast yeah. or whatever. Like, like that's a great way for the two of you like take take a picture of the board state and then like you play your game and then like after you re rack, you know, you kind of like you can like look at the photo together and you can kind of collaborate. Like, all right, man, see like over here, like over here, you deploy this unit and then you draw like the angle and be like, well, because you were over here and then you had to move up to shoot this unit, now you're in threat range where I was able to charge and you never got the subject back. Kind of remember so it's definitely like 25 years ago in white dwarf they'd have these warhammer fantasy battle reports and these 40k battle reports and they would have the like green and red arrows showing like where it yeah. was where it was next what the board I, was. I, I was I obsessed with those and like man, i would so i would i would pay some money for like a series like that um by skilled players with narration in real time like that would be sick it's just x's yeah. and o's i can talk i can talk I could talk to Ennis and Anthony and stuff like that. You know, I don't know. Maybe we can. Maybe it's uh, something we can bring back. Um, okay, from Jake B. Uh, my apologies, Chris, if uh, if you don't play Diablo Four, but we are kind of leading into it. It was the it was the name of the episode. Uh, Jake 
Jake B wants a tier list of Diablo 4 classes. Um, I could be reasonable and be like, oh, is this for endgame? This is for leveling and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but uh, no, screw that. We're just going to do like hot takes and like with like with no context. Uh, Barb, Source, Druid. Uh, no, sorry. Barb, Rogue, Source, Druid, and then Necro. That's my tier list. No context. I'm just naming out numbers. Oh, Cliff, go. Um, sort, source, Barb. No, Source, Rogue, Barb, Druid. Sort of the same, Druid a little bit lower, and then Necro at the end. Chris, this is even better if you don't play. Just, just, bl just blow uh, up things. So, so I, yeah, I, I've not played four yet. I haven't played Diablo since three. Um, so he says, ne he says Necro number one. You heard it. <laughs> yep, yep, that's it. Number one. Uh, is, is the Crusader still a thing? Because if it is, it's going to be my favorite. Regardless. It's not, which is crazy. Not, not, unfortunately. Trash, trash, trash game. We'll buy it. <laughs> Zero out of first. ten. <laughs> that's my hot take for today. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I will totally, uh, I'll totally put in a tier list that is like just makes no sense, and it's going to have classes that aren't even in the game, and I'm just going to attribute it to you. Hell yeah! Um, so it, enjoy, enjoy it. your, enjoy your internet outrage. Uh, no, I really wanted, to, I really wanted to put Source number one, but I think Barb actually, I think Source falls off a little bit in the end game. Barb is number one. Even after the nerf, Source. Uh, yeah, no, it's the Barb is really, really, really strong. Apparently. Um, that's that's what everyone's been saying, but I every single time I play Diablo, I always, whether it's starting a new Diablo game um, like Diablo three or Diablo four or Diablo two Resurrected, or just coming back to the game after a lengthy time, I always start with Sorceress. Uh, Sorceress has just always been my personal favorite class, um, so I really wanted to put her number one, but I, I couldn't. She's probably not even close. To but who cares? Uh, in starting Monday, I had to go to WTC prep anyhow, and like I said, I, I I'm a dummy and I added the captain, so yeah, I kind of <laughs> I kind of played myself. I kind of played myself there. Whoops. Uh, next question. This one is more focused towards uh, Cliff, um, but he says he's willing to take advice from anyone. Uh, I'm about to push for a significant promotion progression in my current corporate role, Ooh. finance accounting background. What advice or things do you normally try to do before submitting a business case for promotion progression? I've analyzed the required requirements uh, for the next level and have positive testimonials from clients worked on, but any further general advice is greatly appreciated. Um, oh man, and my internet's messing up right on time. I'm gonna refresh and then come right back. Try to see if I can cut off the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Cut off. Hey, cut off already. I like how he cut himself off. Uh, Mark Murphy, old school white dwarf reports ruled. Yes, hard agree. Let's see if I met while Cliff is going. Oh, here he is. Hey, Cliff. It works. Back, Cliff. Right. That was speedy. Um, and sorry, Jeremy, in the background, because that's going to be frustrating to edit. So, given that you're in finance and accounting, um, the so much of this is dependent on the relationship that you have with the person that you're reporting to and what the general tenor of the like firm that you're working at is like, is it the sort of place where self-advocacy is effective or do they just have set guidelines and timelines and go for it? The, given that you're in finance accounting, I think it's worth like making the business case for it. Like what revenue have you brought in? What's your value add? What is your potential value add given additional responsibility and scope of work that you've already indicated that you're willing to take on and what evidence is there that you can take on that work successfully? soon as you have the additional responsibility um, and like 
run. Um, if it's a management role and you haven't previously managed people before, um, you want to at least indicate your ability to manage projects and multiple streams of work effectively, um, and your ability to like work across across teams and laterally manage is going to help you out there. If it's going to be your first time managing, if you've already managed people, um, if you've done really great jobs with your direct reports, then <laughs> this tier list is unreal. Um, if you've already managed a team, then like bring their testimonials in as additional evidence that you're ready to take on larger management responsibility with folks with more, even more status. That's the very adult rundown that I would give if I was like working with someone on my team who's looking for promotion or, or elsewhere. Awesome. No, that was, that, that's that sounded good. I wish I could give advice, but uh, my work email has been locked for like five years. <laughs> Don't know. I just, Don't check it. See you later. Yeah. No, I just show up to every day to work in uh, a t-shirt, short and flip-flops, and I just make make the dots dull touch. Uh, <laughs> which is last, pretty last, important last, in fact i mean they pay me to do it so uh chris uh it's a little bit of an insider joke i don't even know where this came from um but they every time we have a guest on like on any of our shows we always have to ask them what is your favorite way to eat an egg uh so i'm, I'm just going to answer this the way it's presented i don't know what the subtext is there's no it's not it's not a, it's not a trick question so, so, just, I, I think they just like they care more about asking it than they actually do the answer no. well so i'm gonna answer it anyway because i eat four eggs every day for breakfast and it's literally any way i can like i love eggs uh so that is just i don't care man i'll eat them any way they're put in front of me egg lover yes yeah Maybe. yeah <laughs> i thought it was funny like uh there was a. Uh, it was like last week's episode on the main show or something like that, or like two weeks ago. And like the guest said omelet and everyone like lost their mind because we were like 60 episodes in. And that was the first person that had ever answered omelet. And people were like, holy shit, how could we have been so blind? <laughs> the superior form of egg. Oh my God. No, the comments section like went ape shit for like two minutes. Like the no. show like entirely derailed. It was, I swear we're not a cult. Um, enjoy your time in our Discord. It is weird in there. Yeah, yeah. all right. Weird but good. Right. Yeah, weird but good. Chaotic good. Uh, let me scroll through question locker. Preston's kind of trolling a little bit. He said, "He said, what armies do the characters in Bluey play? Uh, I feel like they don't play you know, like orcs. They don't play orcs or Tau because either they'd be super naive or they'd just be super happy and yeah. just happy to be there regardless of what's going on. Bluey for sure plays orcs. The, the dad, sure. the dad is a hundred percent an orc player. Agreed. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, bandits all. Uh, yeah, I feel like Bingo would play Tal because, like, like no, because people actually like Bingo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm probably going to get some hate for that one. I was, I was like trying to grab the like the nevativity, but like it's like nevativity in like a sweet, not like an annoying way. Uh, what other? Oh no, get that shit out from between my toes and trying to spank my heels. What are, what are they talking about? Doesn't sound like they're talking about like like footwear and like I don't know, cross oh, versus flip-flops. We'll figure that out later. All right, I think that's all the questions, man. Uh Chris, yeah. it was awesome to meet you. Um I hope you had a good time. We went a little bit over time. We always do. The two hours is kind of long. 
but you're an hour <laughs> behind us. You're an hour behind us, so maybe it worked out. That's right. Um, yeah. No. Uh, and, and thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a great time, uh, and I enjoy meeting the whole community. It was awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm, gl I'm glad you got to meet uh, Jeremy first because he's probably like the most like even keeled of like our team, you know. So that was a good break. <laughs> Uh, and now as you like, if you actually make like the decision to interact with other human beings in our discord, like you're going to be like, Oh, what have I done? Um, so, <laughs> yeah, no, you, you messed up. Uh, we're part of your lives now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, you are, you are now an honorary, uh, member of the discord, uh, cause you are a guest on the show. So you have access Feel yeah. free to, to kind of explore around in there. All the, we've done a, as we've gotten bigger, we've definitely like organized the Discord and try to make it a little bit more organized while still keeping kind of a tongue in cheek and everything. So just yeah. have fun, interact with people in there. And uh yeah, hopefully I'll see you in Tampa in a few months. Hell yeah, man. Hope so. I'm gonna uh, shout out, Chris. I'm gonna shout you out because yeah, go like, for it. I earlier and my internet's going crazy. Sorry about the video for people who are watching on YouTube all over, but the podcast should be fine. Chris's uh YouTube channel is fantastic. Like Thank you. They're diagrammed, diagrammed rundowns, phase interactions in a really easy to understand way. Chris has a great voice. <laughs> it, like it's like it's it's great content, and um, if you haven't checked it out already, you should go check it out. It's it's, awesome. it's yeah. that soothing Chicago accent, man. It's it's the easily hey. pitch. It wins people over every time. <laughs> for those for those of you who uh who are listening to this on spotify or not on video uh it's youtube.com uh slash at phoenix gaming chris um or you can hop over to uh to youtube i i posted up i posted multiple times in the chat and the video description uh, but i've already went over there and subscribed i plan on watching some of it tomorrow uh when i'm not getting mad about like points releases um <laughs> And uh, and yeah, it's really, it looks like really good stuff. I can't wait to uh, to check it out. Uh, Chris, anything else you want to plug before we uh, before we close this out? Uh, the main thing is just again, thanks thanks for letting me be on with you guys. And uh, one of the things I will be working on once we resume stream games. So we do stream games once a week, and there's typically like a two thousand point fairly competitive game. So it's 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 definitely coming with a competitive mindset. But one of the things I'm going to start working on is after stream, downloading it. And then exactly what you guys were talking about is like having arrow diagrams and talking about why yeah. units are moving, where they're moving. Uh, I had started to work on it before 10th kind of got announced and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I just stopped when I realized like, okay, there's no point right now. Yeah. Uh, so as yeah. we get points and I get to start getting stream games back in, the stream games will be live. You'll see them. They'll be on the YouTube channel, but then I'll re-edit and re-upload. So you'll be able to see kind of like my breakdown on what's happening or at least what my perspective of what's happening is. So like if I were to play Cliff, for example, I'm not going to ask Cliff what he's doing while we're streaming. If he tells everybody, that's even better because it's a stream game. But it's one of those where when I'm watching it, I'm going to at least break down what I see and why I think he's doing it and where he's going with it or why I'm making the moves I'm making. So it is a thing that I will be working on here pretty soon. That's very cool. I, I definitely love that kind of stuff because you get to um, you get to keep that that realistic feel of like not having perfect information of like not knowing what your opponent's trying. You can kind of guess what your opponent's trying to do strategically if you don't know. 
Uh, but then going afterwards and like really kind of doing that commentary. I love that type of uh, streaming commentary. And, and it works for me because I am an instinctual player, right? Uh, I am not a I am not a math player. Like I'm not a stats guy at all. Like I just look at it and I'm like, okay, this is what's probably going to happen. This is what I think is going to happen. And I've just I've been lucky enough that I've gotten enough table time that it works for me. Um, you know, when I ran my store, I was playing with customers almost every day. Like for mm. a good year or two, I've probably played almost a thousand games of 40k over the course of a year, just because of interacting with customers coming Whoa. in and out of the store and stuff. So, like, you guys talking about numbers sheds light on the things that I do in games from a perspective that I just don't look at it from. Mm. You know, you're like, oh, the math on this is so good, and I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like, it, it looks good on the table, man. So it's it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, you can't make them all right. Like that's just my philosophy. If I just throw enough dice at it, it'll fix any problem in the game. But <laughs> it, it, yeah, just wanted to shout that out. We will be working on that. Uh, it is just me and one other person working on it. So each one will probably take a while to get up, but the stream games will be once a week at least. Awesome. Yeah. Let us know uh, when you get that up and off, off the, uh, up and off the ground and stuff like that. We'll make sure to uh, do a little bit of signal boosting over at stat check. Heck yeah. Uh, since people, you're right. Shout it out. Cool. Uh, Cliff, man, uh, you got anything else you want to you want to plug, talk about uh, before we uh, close this out and resume in two weeks? Nah, man. Bleeding Edge, buy Wraith Knights. Be prepped for them to get nerfed anyway, but you'll have beautiful models. That's that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah, I mean, we got, listen, we got a whole thing going. We got this show. We got the standard show. Actual stat check on Tuesdays, every Tuesday. We got Enter the Matrix with Typhus. WTC's coming up. Revisit those episodes. It's going to be great context to see who's on what teams, what the captains are doing. We're going to be in a whole new edition, so who knows what crazy stuff they're going to come up with. But um, know that Enter the Matrix coverage and it's going to be key to understanding those interactions. Yeah. Thanks for hanging with us for the last two and a half hours. Hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash statcheck. Hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com statcheck. Hit us up on the internet, stat-check.com. Dashboard will be updated with all the goodies for 10th edition. We'll have all your favorite statistics on the competitive beta uh, from day one of 10th starting, which is going to be pretty sick. Got a bunch of new plans in store, a whole bunch of resources coming out of the Discord organically, and then we've got plans. Uh, yes, yeah, it's great. Tim, you're the man. Thanks for everything. Awesome. Yeah, I've been through these past two and a half hours. Guys, again, thank you so much. I know uh, I know both of you are busy. So again, thank you so much for joining uh, joining me for two hours of your evening. Uh, please go and uh, go enjoy, be with your families or relax, do whatever you want to do. Uh, and then everyone who's been watching and listening, thank you so much for supporting StatCheck. Hopefully you go and support Chris as well. And we will see you uh, in the next episode of uh, X of One and in 10th edition. Night, everyone. Peace. For more shows like this, check out the Goonhammer Media Network. More info at media.goonhammer.com.